I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room So you wanna be a rider, well you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rent room, we let that shit up off our chest You never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rent room What's up y'all, it's your boy Hilliard guests, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Will we keep it real? We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Tracy? Game, Game all day. day. Yes, sir. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Um, just want to give you guys a couple little new intro, new new shit that's happening. Um, this is the first episode of 2024. Drop it, dropping tomorrow. With, with the big dog, Jeff Bird, in the building. Um, so lots of changes. We're in the midst of uh, redoing the whole website, logo. Um, you know, lots of things going to shift. I'm going to be rotating more co-hosts, you know, coming in and out. I'll do a lot more one-on-ones with, with people and stuff like that. It's going to be just a different show. And eventually, as I was telling my man, Tracy Grant, who's sitting in with us. What's up, Tracy Grant? Nice to be back, brother. Good to see you. Yes, indeed. Everything is good. Great day to be alive. Everything is beautiful like a ballet. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I was telling Tracy, um, you know, lots of new shit's going to be coming on. And eventually, Jeff, I want to get to a place where this show is like screenwriting drink, drink champs. That's what I want. <laughs> that's a great idea. I don't drink, but I wanted that type but of But I show. think that's a great idea. You know what I'm saying? Where we literally can just be going in. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, that's a great idea. And I like that they do their shows for two hours, sometimes three, depending on who it is. They just be going in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Sure. <laughs> I love that. Um, so if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get to the show. So today we got my man Jeff Bird in the Ooh. building. What up, what up, what up? Y'all know him out there, out there killing the game, directing EPN shows, especially right now, nominated Emmy show um, for Yellow Jackets. Out yes. there killing the game. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Yellow Jackets in the house. Yeah, he he all the all these Emmy parties and stuff. Come rolling in here on Black Time. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? With, 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 with <laughs> Emmy luggage. nominee. <clears throat> with luggage under my eyes. Okay, I'm look. sorry. <laughs> it's all good, buddy. I appreciate you being here. Um, so let's just tell everybody a little bit of... Um, it's been a minute since I've had you on the show. I know, so right? It's and been at least... Three years, maybe easy, even, maybe, and by myself. Like yeah, the yeah. last time I did, I was with me and Carl Seaton, right? Right, right. But did I do it by myself? We ever? did do one with you by yourself because I got that great photo of you going like this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We did do that one. Yes, yeah. we did do that one. That and, one. Oh, and then we did the one with um John Singleton. Yeah, with John. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. it was like me, Carl, and John. Right? That's right. That's amazing. That's right. Yeah, because okay. it was going to be your show. <laughs> yes, because we were going to motherfuckers got busy. We were going to do a spinoff of that. Yeah, well, that's a classic <laughs> now. Yes, yeah, it yes, it is. It's a classic. Rest in peace, John Singleton. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for having me back that's again, Hilliard. Um, for those who do not know who I am, I am uh, Jeff Bird. I am from Brooklyn, New York. Always got to represent BK to the fullest. So sorry. Where are you from? 
Uh, New York is in the house for sure. Born really? in Brooklyn. That's what I was you born in Brooklyn too? Yeah, yeah. Born in Brownsville. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. born in Coney Island. Brookdale. Brownsville is the ruggedest place on earth. <laughs> then and now, just for I'm, clarity, if anyone is unaware. I'm, now, is it now? <laughs> it's a little gentrified now. I'm about to say, it's a little bit. It's a little gentrified now. <laughs> no doubt. People don't, people don't take your sneaks right but now. Listen. <laughs> there's some bicycles rolling Brownsville around Brownsville is rugged. <laughs> so we all take pride in our New York heritage. Here, here's some information for you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So I was born in Detroit, but when I was mm-hmm. two, guess where we moved? To Brooklyn. You went to Brooklyn? For I until I was seven. And then we moved to the Bay. I did not I went, know I went that. to PS 195. What? I went to I, PS 254. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that earlier. Yeah. Okay. Good I don't know. remember the shit, but I know this what happened. Well, but, not, but at least you know if you go there, you can represent. You can be like, hey. so Yeah, yeah. I'm from here. I'm from exactly. Here. Leave, me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't, don't, don't mess with yeah. me. I, I just claim the Bay now. Yeah. I just claim the Bay. That's you like, can get out if you need to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what high school did you go to? I went to high school in Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, you moved so down. Moved you, down. You all moved yeah. down, moved down. Yeah, okay. little Fresh Prince of Bel Air ish. Uh, uh, meaning, so. did you have to escape? Did you have to? Was it people after? <laughs> there was an interest <laughs> on my part and my mom's part in getting me out of there. That's so the DC area is my second home, but yeah, Brooklyn, Upper West Side of Manhattan is where I was. And you raised. guys have actually. I know you're about to tell your story, but you guys have a lot of a lot in common coming from music. In the, in the back, are you did a lot of music videos? Oh yeah, yeah. The first? music videos my my, uh, my first thing. Deep yeah. in the music business, uh, particularly like mid to late nineties, before I got interested in writing, coming out here, so we could. Yeah. And Haley and I talk about it all the time, all that that history. Yeah. Oh, um, particularly in the hip hop space, but yeah, yeah. I was, and that's all I did was I was I was there hip hop videos. Mm-hmm. What, what, what what I was writing. As a freelancer, I did publicity for a while, mm-hmm. um, work with Kane for a minute. Uh, but anybody who was hot, who was out at that time, I interviewed Missy, okay. um, Busta Rhymes, mm-hmm. um, Jay-Z, Latifah, Queen P- uh, Fat Joe, Terror Squad, Big was Pun, this- Rest in Peace. Oh, okay. yeah, definitely. Was, was this... The 90s, is that like- No, I'm, I'm saying, was it... You were writing music for them, or writing? I was I was writing for for magazines. Oh, for magazines, okay, um, like source. But I was also in DC. Um, mm-hmm. I squeaked into Double XL for a minute. You oh, went to Howard too, right? Publication mm-hmm. called Straight mm-hmm. from the Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but in DC at the time, BET was there, and it was kind of a hub. They had to show Teen Summit on mm-hmm. Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Yes, I used yes, to yes. be there every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so met a lot of artists there. Wu Tang. Yeah. Chris Rock, Common, back in Common was Common Sense. So it was yep. a big stopover for up-and-comers in music and certainly hip-hop artists who still needed outlets and places to kind of get their music played and heard. All of the conferences back mm-hmm. at that time used to go down, used to be there for all of that. Jack the Rapper, how can I be? So <laughs> there's some folks out there who know what we're talking about and who remember, and other folks who just have to <laughs> get up to speed. That's Got it. Was it the when you attended something? Was that the Ananda years or after the Ananda? right? I was a little bit before, during, mainly during the Ananda years. And I remember it was a big deal. She went to MTV. It was like a big deal. That's my ex. So oh really? Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's my ex. They're, they did not have for two, three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good so times. You, so you were saying, Jeff, you were catching people up on who you are. 
Uh, yeah, yep, yeah. <clears throat> Jeff Bird, Brooklyn, New York. Just, just in case you needed the no, another, no, go ahead. another one of those intros. Mm-hmm. Um, came from the uh, Spike Lee camp. Started out working for Spike Lee, Forty Acres on a Mule, back during the um, Denzel days. So I worked on Mobile Blues, Jungle Fever, Malcolm X as an intern, PA, and then I was a and on Malcolm X I was a trainee. So and I worked in all the music videos and commercials. I, I worked for Forty Acres basically. Right. So we'd, you know, in, in between you know the movies, we do music videos and commercials and. You know, go to you know homecomings, Howard. Uh, Can you slide all, all the all the things towards you this you way? Know? Yeah, got it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I started out working there with with Spike. And did and, he really? Let me ask you this, and I don't think I ever asked you this before. <clears throat> when you were moving up, are you uh, is somebody like taking the time to really show you how to do shit, or are they just like putting you in, going, "I think you could do this," and here's how you do it. Now go. Oh no no no! Definitely at Spike's Spike's camp. There's always somebody like going, "What are you doing? What's that? What's that thing?" It's almost like a quiz every day. It was always like, you know. Also, you always felt like you always gonna lose your job a little bit because (laughs) (laughs) because um, I remember one time I was driving um, Spike. It was Spike. um, er, uh, No, not Ernest. Ernest wasn't in the car. It was Spike. Um, Preston Holmes, mm-hmm. um, Mike Ellis is the first AD. Preston mm-hmm. was one of his producers. John Killick. We're all in this car. And we're driving the set. And I was driving in New York. In New York. <laughs> yeah, I was driving the car to set. And Spike would sit, you know, right mm-hmm. next, right next to me in the passenger seat and everything. Right. So I remember we were trying to get to set, and I was going away that Spike didn't want to go. And <laughs> Spike doesn't drive. He didn't drive back right. then. So, but he always knew the best ways to get around the city. So, and I was going a different way. And he's like, and he would look over at me and he'd be like, "Why are you going this way?" And I was like, oh, I think it's faster. He's like, <laughs> and he's like, well, he's, yeah, you, you, you bet your job on it. And I was like, and I'm looking over my shoulder and everybody in the back seat and they all look like, don't look at us. And, well, you better get us there on time. And I, luckily I got us there on time. And, you know, Spike said, looked over at me and just nodded his head and got out. Everybody in the back seat laughed their heads off. <laughs> they were like, you're lucky. You're lucky this time. But it was great because you always knew like you were, you know, they were paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's important, like in a, in a, you know, a business where sometimes a lot of people, you don't feel like people are paying attention. Spike pays attention to you, everybody and everything that was around during that era. So it was it was quite amazing when he would know stuff. So to answer your question, yeah. there was always somebody kind of helping you out or trying to or at least trying to point you in the right direction. Right. I, I always think about like when I'm producing something, <clears throat> I always try to like day one, gather all the PAs together. And the first thing I do is take them over to the camera department and show them how to break down a C-stand. Because mm. you never know where they need to float sometimes. So I'm just like, y'all need to, we need to move, especially in the indie world. You in the indie fast. world, for sure, without a doubt. You know what I mean? You know, in your world, that shit's all as a machine. Yeah. <clears throat> but, and then um, it's unionized. Don't touch that too soon. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. I would imagine you learned a lot at that time, of course. Is there anything that you're using today like one or two like big things that you still use like when you're shooting on set that you that you took from from that time from the spy camp from during that whole era there oh uh, yeah i mean every i mean a lot i mean i mean spike is a big you know proponent of paying attention to you know human behavior i remember mm-hmm. one of his big things um to us when we were you know coming up through the internship program stuff like that was always to you know travel and to you know pay attention to your surroundings and you know absorb different things so i i, I do that i have a, a i have a thing i developed from that called a, my triple a um philosophy assess address adjust 
you know, so mm-hmm. I take those three A's. So Can you break that down? I, okay, so I will assess the situation. Like if I'm feeling like I'm on set and um, you know, something is, is amiss, mm-hmm. I'll assess any situation and then I'll address it in my to myself. Because a lot of times in this business we have a ten- tendency to point our fingers out mm-hmm. and say somebody else is the problem. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else is a problem but yourself. <laughs> when you don't really understand that the common denominator in every problem, especially the similar ones that you have, is you. Mm-hmm. And if you're repeating, if you're repeatedly going, well, this person won't listen to me, and that person won't listen to me, if mm-hmm. then it's actually maybe your communication is bad. So I assess it and I address it to myself and then I make an adjustment. So I'll do something, the third thing is to adjust. So I'll make the adjustment and take myself out of my comfort zone and see if that works. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, you know what? Everybody else is doing right and I'm doing wrong. Let me, let me, let me adjust that thing. And I'll try that okay. for like a week. Mm-hmm. And I'll see how that works and if that, you know, and that kind of came from the Spikes camp. I, I, I chose the AAA thing. But it kind of came from, from the Spike camp in that way of trying to figure out, okay, you know, what am I doing? What can I change? In me and if it works if the change works i embrace it right. if it doesn't then i go okay well it must not be me then it must be something else mm-hmm. let me try a different methodology but usually the my triple a thing usually kind of works pretty, like pretty well it, it, it's you know it's, it's it's been working so far so there's yeah. that's one of the kind of things mm-hmm. i've taken from there and and just you know just the way spike kind of um or the whole 40 acres camp because <clears throat> excuse me so it's not just <clears throat> like spikes or the spike and then the whole off. I mean, back when we were doing those movies, it was like Ernest, it was Spike, it was Ernest, it was um, uh, well, Mike Ellis and um, Randy Fletcher was first AD, and I mean, so many. Uh, uh, Charles Houston who was his gaffer, who I worked for when I was uh, uh, an electrics trainee. So many different people, and but they all worked under you know Spike, mm-hmm. and everybody, and you know, at Earl Earl Smith, who worked in the office, pretty much ran it. You know, so many people, mm-hmm. and um, but they all had the same goal, and the goal was, you know, get black people working, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, you know, amazing, because, I mean, he was all we had pretty much in New York before music videos came about. Mm-hmm. It was just Spike. Right. If you were black and you worked in the industry, <laughs> either you worked for Spike on film, mm-hmm. or you worked over at the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. Um, so they shot in New York. Yeah, they That's shot right. in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was all, those are the only two games in it. town in right. New York for the most part. Crazy. Um, outside of, you know, obviously, you know, all the uh, publications like Source and all those different things. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to be in film and TV, it was, you had to choose one of those paths. Wow. So when you were coming up, how did you finally start doing your own thing? Were you, because you, you were in the indie world for a minute before you. Yeah, but I was, I, but like you said too, I was in the music video world before right. that. So what, then this was just a good segue because it started from Spike. Right. So. Um, I was working as working with Spike and a bunch of friends of mine, a couple of friends of mine got record deals. Mm-hmm. So they got signed like Def Jam or something. Okay. And back then it was a lot of, you know, wasn't a lot of black people directing music <laughs> videos back then. And, um, but when, you know, people got deals, you could say, oh, I want so-and-so to direct my video. Right. Or I want such-and-such to direct my video. And usually people would pick from music videos they've seen on mm-hmm. MTV or something. Mm-hmm. And those are usually white male directors directing right. those. 
So this is before Hype and all of them. Just came yes. Up. So yeah, Hype okay. and I came up together. So okay. we all came up. We all came up together. Mm-hmm. So I remember one of my boys was like, he got a deal Def Jam. He said, yo, Jeff, I want you to direct my video. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, yo, you got to direct my video. I told, I already told him over Def Jam that you were going to direct it. I was like, I don't direct. I'm a PA. I do this stuff over here for Spike and stuff like that. He's like, well, you know, you work for Spike. You got to know what you're doing. So, yeah. you know, just you're going to do it. I already told him. And I remember going into the office, mm. going into 40 Acres one day, and I was sitting there, you know, moping around or something, and Spike took notice. He's like, well, what's up? Mm. And um, he's like, why are you, you know, sitting there looking like this? Mm. And, uh, well, you know, a friend of mine wants me to direct this video, and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I've never done a video before. You think I should do it? And he's like, yeah, you should do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you need anything, let me know. Let Earl know. And anything in the basement you can get. We got gels down there, lights. All the equipment is down in the basement. Wow. And that's what's up. Yeah, and he was like, "You can have anything down there, you know." And then on set, one day we were we were rapping. Um, Spike had said, "Hey, so you're, you know," he stopped everybody and said, "Hey, just doing a video." Yeah, Joe, Jeff, raise your hand. He's doing a video this weekend. If y'all free, available, want to work on it, wow. you know, y'all should go down and and help him out. Wow. And I had all like a whole like forty acres of mill film crew wow. as awesome my move. first ever. Like music video, real, I'm real like, fame makers, crazy, yeah, yeah. it was wow. crazy, yeah. and it's so funny. They would all tease me. They would all tease me. We shot for two weeks. We shot Saturday and Sunday, and it was a super low budget video, but mm. like I somehow squoze two days out of it. And the whole crew was teasing me. They're like, "Yeah, you're our boss for the weekend. <laughs> On Monday, get my coffee, but for the weekend." <laughs> so it was it was great. So he was really responsible for that, and I could you know I can't thank him enough. But it really stemmed from there, right. and then my music video started, and then. I moved out here because I met uh, F. This, Gary. This is back when they paid well on videos. Yes, day. yeah. Even well, though, I know that was a low budget, but I mean, but low. it was a mm-hmm. time when videos were expensive. He, well, yeah, and then I mean, that's how I met Spike. I met F. Gary that way. I mean, uh, I mean, that's how I met um, F. Gary. I met Hype that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Hype and I came up together over this company called Classic Concepts. Okay. He was in the art department, and I was like in the AD department. Where, where, where was Paris Barkley? Paris was over at this company called Black and White. That's I used to, right. I used to PA right. for Paris as well. Right. Um, so we would have a bunch, a whole bunch of little PA systems mm-hmm. going around. We would go around from person to person and director to director. Millicent Shelton was there too. I PA okay. for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Bray PA for him. Like all these folks, and we all kind of came up through that. Right. So music videos for the audience were kind of a cottage industry at this right. time. Very much so. Um, they were p- prestige in some and, ways. So. Mm-hmm. You know, your your urban acts, your hip hop acts, who maybe did not have uh, these white directors, the other directors available necessarily, or didn't know them. Like people like Jeff were able to kind of rise and gain experience working through these companies. Oh, definitely, definitely. We snuck in there, and and oh, right, classic concept. The main director there was a guy named Lionel Martin. Lionel C. Martin. And uh, if you guys look back at all the music videos, go well, obviously there's no real MTV now, kind of, sort of. But right. you can go on YouTube and you can watch all these videos. There's all the videos like Boys to Men and all this. And, any, and if any video that has like a blue tint in it, Lionel directed it. He'd always do, he'd always add this little blue tint thing. And we'd always, me and Hype would be sitting around there teasing him about it. Like, why you put this blue blue thing in everything? What's this blue? Why you keep doing And he would do like a Dutch tilt. Every, every single video was like, and, and God bless him because you know I love love Lionel. He put us out there, but like because he would give me and hype videos to direct that he didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So he was, he didn't want to do these little low budget twenty thousand dollar videos or whatever. Right. And me and hype would be like, yes, I'll do it. Yes, yes. Right. Like hype would do like Super Cat or somebody, and I would, mm-hmm. 
I would do like you know the MOP or something. Some like there was there was all these small like rappers that would get like twenty thousand dollars for their video or thirty thousand dollars. I remember when we got a fifty thousand dollar video our first time. Both of us were like we thought we were had it. We were like we are we are, we are we've made it fifty thousand dollars. We've made it. Look at that. And right. like the director gets like 10% of the budget. Right. So we got like $5,000. We're right. like, oh, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going, to, going to Jamaica. Going to Antique. You know, ooh. So I'm moving was, out of my mama's house. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was a big deal. That's so, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of like what, what, what started us. And like music video was able to, you were able to do things like you said also earlier in, in regards to using equipment and stuff like hey let's grab a steady cam this weekend let's go shoot with that. Mm-hmm. let's do this yeah. i remember um uh, uh me and malik uh malik saeed who's uh dp slash now he's also a director as well he does a lot of commercials mm-hmm. and he and i came up as well in the spike camp and he was uh, an electrician over there while i was like a trainee and he used to dp for myself he dp for hype i remember one time malik and i decided we were going to rent a um a uh, Steadicam unit, oh really? Okay. Without without an operator, just the <laughs> unit itself. Mm-hmm. And we were shooting this music video in Atlanta in the summertime, mm-hmm. inside this club in the summertime heat. And <laughs> and we were figuring out, we're like, what are we gonna do with this um with this with the Steadicam unit? He said, okay, well you know what, I'll I'll use it sometime, and you use it sometime. We'll just go back and forth, <laughs> and we'll do shots, and we'll see who's who's got the best shots and that ones that make the video. I'm telling you, um, I passed out. We were, in, we were in a club, <laughs> in a hot-ass club in Atlanta, trying to, it's like, it must have been like, you know, 200 degrees, and I mean, it was so hot. <clears throat> and we're shooting girls, dancing and stuff, and all of a sudden, I remember being, you know, upright, and then I just remember seeing the ceiling, and they were like, you okay? Cause I, and I'm drenching with sweat, drenching. <laughs> and but yeah, hey, I learned. We, 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 we hey, next time we get a Steadicam unit, we actually bring the Steadicam guy <laughs> with, with us too, because we couldn't do it. But it was it was fun learning lessons. Learning lessons. So along with all of the technical craft that you clearly learned and improved as you went, talk about like where the sense of storytelling may mm-hmm. have come from within all of yeah. that. Also, well, and that's the thing. Um, Spike is a master you know, storyteller. And in and, and my opinion, a master storyteller. And then so for me, coming from, from, from that, all of my music videos usually had a um a story. Mm-hmm. And that's what was actually the beauty of it is when, when um Hype and I were at Classic Concept, that's what kind of differentiated us both. Mm-hmm. Like he would do more of the visual mm-hmm. videos right. and I would do more of the story based videos. So that's how kinda like how Lionel knew who to give what video to. Mm-hmm. It's kinda like, oh this 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 Act, I mean, this um, singer or this rapper wants a, a, you know, visual thing and go to hype. Or this one wants a storyline thing. Oh, let me send that to Jeff. And I would try to find the storyline in any, any song. Mm-hmm. I would try to find, okay, what's the storyline for the song? What's, you know, even if it was against what the song was saying, mm-hmm. I would find a storyline that kind of worked for it. And um, and that that literally came from you know, being able to, you know, work with Spike for all those years right. and really wanting to embrace um, story and structure and, you know, be able to, you know, look at a four minute song or a three and change minute song as the opportunity to make a short film. Mm. The beginning, middle and end. The yep. Whole thing, yeah. yep, yep, yep. That was my goal is to, you know, make a short film because I had already always known, you know, that that's the direction I wanted to go in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew I wanted to go in, you know, film and TV and back then it was really more, you know, film because film was the 
prestige thing. Were you guys and shooting on film back then? Or yeah, we were shooting on 35 millimeter, sometimes wow. 16 millimeter. Yes, we were. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so funny how back then TV was TV, mm-hmm. but you know and 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 you know what i'm saying it yeah, was like it, yeah. it's, it, you know what i mean tv yeah. was secondary yes kind of it was below. It, it was yeah yeah very but, but you know in defense of that concept mm-hmm. um if you look back on a lot of tv shows like you don't see you know when i when i do like a retrospective you know story-wise and looking back on a lot of those shows it was it, they weren't really visually based a lot of them were okay it's kind of like you know it was based solely yeah in you know the words the writing and just sitting two people or three people For in a sure. room around a table like we are and then just throw a camera over each one of our shoulders and whoever we're talking to is where the thing is aimed mm-hmm. and and now it's so funny i've been um now that we've been you know kind of you know over the holiday stuff i was watching game of thrones again mm-hmm. i just watched the whole you know game of thrones series again mm-hmm. i was just like you know what let me just have it on in the house here <laughs> just while i'm doing stuff and cleaning up and mm-hmm. you know taking down you know putting up uh, Christmas stuff, taking down Christmas. I'm mm-hmm. like, watch. I'm like, this is amazing. Game of Thrones is really an amazing yeah. show. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing show. I mean, I loved it when it came out, but mm-hmm. to appreciate it now, appreciate the amount of work and effort it went into the storytelling of that of yeah. that series. Yeah, and the cinematic value it it gave to everything. Yeah. I mean, and they did their whole. You know, they did the philosophy. They they showed they didn't tell. Right. Yeah, and you know, not a lot of exposition in that show. Right. Some sometimes you just have to give people their due, and I think that's right. Like it was critically praised and was a hit for a reason. Yeah, like it's, when I when I first moved my office here downstairs in the first entrance, that was their office. Really? Yeah, eight years ago. That's how long it's been going on. Nine years. Really? And they moved maybe like six months after and got their big building. Their big, the yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All of a sudden, they knew like, oh, this is something. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it was this is it's just amazing to watch, and I and I look forward, you know, to that, you know, for us, you know, you know, as 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 um, creators of color, and I look forward to that for us to have like you know a game of thrones kind of a you know kind of a series or mm-hmm. something to that effect i mean it's, it's just you know it's, it's amazing and it's obviously it's coming but it's, yeah, it's definitely time um mm-hmm. so when did you get into the scripted what how did that fall for you um well feature film wise i wrote i wrote a script i wrote well i wrote a short first mm-hmm. i co-wrote a short with a friend of mine and um I was shooting a music video down over at the um, over uh, Alameda down the uh, the Penn Station the the what is it called Union Station? Union Station mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. I was I was shooting over at Union Station this music video we shot there for like a weekend okay. and I remember I got really tight with the um, the guy that runs Union Station mm-hmm. the guy that was um, he's he's passed on now but um, from back then but uh, I got really close with him and I was like. I was like, man, I love this, you know, I love Union Station. I love shooting there. Union Station, if you've ever been down there, if, if anybody listening, you should go down to Union Station in L.A. It's a lot of movies. <laughs> yes, a lot of movies were shot there. But also, you should just go there and sit there. It's, it's a beautiful station. Yeah. It's beautiful. It takes mm-hmm. some amazing photos there. And um, I remember talking to him. And I was like, oh, man, I would love to shoot this thing I wrote here. But I know I can't afford it because I knew what we were paying, right. you know, yeah. uh, for the music <laughs> video. I knew what we were paying. I was like, I'm not paying you this. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, when do you want to shoot it? I was like, well, I'd love to shoot it like next month. He's like, he's like, you know what? Can you do can you can you do it in like two months? I think I can squeeze you in. I was like, wait, what do you mean squeeze me in? He's like, I think I can squeeze you in. I was like, yeah, but I can't afford it. He's like, no, no, you don't have to pay nothing. 
Wow. He's like, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I can do it for free. He's like, yeah, I'll give you this whole area here, and I'll give you that whole area here. But you got to do it in two months because this is the 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 um the busy season right now. This is the busy thing. But after this, it really dies down. So I'll give you this area here, and I'll give you that, and I'll give you this thing, and you all for free. Wow. And I'll give you security too. I was like, wait, and security. What? He's like, what? <laughs> so you have to ask. Yep. Our people, you got to be bold and ask. Make the request. You might have heard the phrase, like, all they can do is say no. No, yep. Like, but, you know, if you don't my, open your mouth and speak. My first film, I needed a subway train. And everywhere I went was like $10,000. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Pfft. and I finally found somebody who had, a, had it on a truck bed. Mm-hmm. But you have to go get the truck bed and mm-hmm. take it to wherever you're going. And I was like, look, I got $1,000 for two days on a weekend. He went. All right, we'll make it work. You know what I'm saying? But it that's took, beautiful. It, I mean, I had to that's pitch beautiful. him. I had to pitch him big time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes that's what it takes. You got to yeah. be willing to to do that. Okay. And you know, he let us shoot there, and I so I shot the short there, and the short ended up going to the American Black Film Festival. Okay. Oh, and which was then back then called the Acapulco Black Film yes. Festival. Acapulco, yes, 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 because we were in Acapulco. I just had an Acapulco flashback. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> And it was called, uh, the film was called Breakdown, and I won the film festival, the short wow, film festival. That's good. So I, I, I tied, it's like me and a young lady director. What was it about? Christine it about? Swanson. The film was about, um, Vanessa Williams played the lead in it. It was about this black woman who was trying to get out of town. She mm-hmm. went to the bus station to get on a bus to go to like North Carolina or someplace, right? Okay. So um, from LA. And, you know, well, okay, spoiler alert, I'll tell you what it is. Um, the whole thing. So she's <laughs> going down. To, yes, she's going down to the. Well, the, the, the film is still. You can get the film. I think on YouTube. Okay. And so the. Um, so she goes down to the train station and she's trying to. I mean, the bus station. She's trying to get. She's going to the bus station part of Union Station. So mm-hmm. the Union Station is a bus station part and is a train station part. Right. And so she's trying to take a bus to get out of town. And you over the radio, you hear that this big bank in L.A. was robbed. Mm-hmm. And they're catching the people that did it one by one because they all, it's kind of like, in, remember in Heat, mm-hmm. when they all tried mm-hmm. to escape and go mm-hmm. in separate directions? It's kind of like that, so they all went in their separate directions. And so um, we come to find out that in, when, when you're a woman by yourself in a bus station, you know, you get harassed quite a bit. So she, and this is based on, uh, on a semi-true story. Oh, okay. Oddly enough. Because um, I remember the one, I was dating this one girl in, um, when I was in college, and I remember... We took a bus from New York to Georgia, mm. where she lives. She lives in Milledgeville, Georgia. And the things that happened on that trip, I will never take a bus. I will never take a bus again. And, and so we, we ended ride. up we ended up flying back because mm. I'm like, I am. Yeah. We're not getting back yeah. on a bus yeah. to go there because yeah. for some reason she had thought it'd be a good idea for us to get on get on do a bus trip together. <laughs> Man, the things that happen on bus trips. Yeah. And when you stop at those little towns and do these, oh, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I, I, I infuse a lot of that into the script. Come to find out from the end of the movie, you know, they, they track down the person who, you know, one of the people, the last person who robbed the bank and they're in this bus station. So the oh, cops nice. come and they're like, hey, and then they start shooting inside the bus station where somebody's shooting outside the bus station. Carnage. Yeah, and everybody dies pretty much except for, <laughs> except for her. Okay. So she's alive. And she, we come to find out that she, she was the robber, but they didn't know it. They thought it was somebody right. else. That's a good choice. And then she really gets, she has this whole bag full of money, this whole duffel bag full of money. Yeah. And she goes, they, they escort her because obviously it's, you know, the, the cops started the shootout, so they don't want any witnesses. So they're like, let's get her out of here. Mm-hmm. So they put her on a bus 
She's got this big duffel bag full of money. And then you see at the end of it, you see this cop come running up with the duffel bag, mm. come running up after her. And she thought, oh, shit, I'm, I'm busted. Nice. And he hands her the bag. He says, this is yours. Right. You left it. And she grabs it. She's like, yeah, huh? Thanks. And then, she, then they, the door's closed <laughs> and the, the bus takes off. That's cute. And, you know, that's, that's kind of like the little, the little, you know, the hook to the whole movie. I like, like it. She's I like it. See, I'm always telling writers, and you write these shorts, you got to have something at the end that really grabs you that will you remember that moment it's got to yeah. be a moment you yeah. know what I mean you gonna say something and, well it should be unexpected yeah. we always talk about uh, reversals and secrets and twists yes um, and <clears throat> you know easier said sometimes but quality stories usually have those elements right. yes so. and the funny thing is so I won myself and Christine Swanson we tied we won so we both got and this is the only one time, the, the first time and the only time they did it over at the uh, film festival. They, so they, so we won a, a development deal at HBO, <clears throat> which is crazy. Let me tell you something. That wow. that 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 kind of a first short yeah. for a short. The, even the, the feature people didn't mm-hmm. didn't win that. Yeah, it was crazy. The feature people got like a a cash prize, mm-hmm. but they didn't win a deal. We had a two year deal at HBO. Now here's the thing: their cash prize for the feature was something like ten thousand, fifteen thousand, something what? like that. Mm-hmm. But the let me tell you this. So, a deal in HBO mm-hmm. with an assistant and an office, right? What? In, in HBS. And we got to develop, I got to develop two scripts with them. They paid me what? 40 grand, like per script. So, it was like 80. I mean, it was, it was, I don't think they really realized what, what the whole thing was. Is that what got you in the guild? Until, that, yes. Wow. That's what got me in the WGA. Okay. It was crazy. I was like, wait, I, I didn't even understand it as, because I was a kid yeah, then. I was young. So, yeah. I didn't really. Get it. And shout was, out to Jeff Friday. I know, right? <laughs> it's shout out to Jeff Friday. But yeah, I didn't, it, 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 talking to HBO. Yeah. Forward thinking. It was amazing that they did that. And it's so funny. So Colin Callender was the president of HBO at the time. And he, he was there in Acapulco and he gave away the award and stuff. And I remember I ran up on stage, gave him a big old hug, lifted him up and everything. And I remember when I got my office and stuff and I would go in to HBO like I would go down and see his office. His office, you know, President of HBO. So we had a big old corner office, yeah. and, you know, in Century City, right over there, and um, you know, wall of, you know, of uh, of uh, windows everywhere in the whole line. Mm-hmm. So I had to go by his office and be like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, just go go in his office, right. sit down in there, have coffee with him, hang out and stuff, and go back to go to mine. And so I go to all the time. I remember one of the executives came over to me. Mm-hmm. She came over in my came around in my office like this was like weeks and weeks later, mm-hmm. and she said, "Hey, so um, how are you scheduling those Colin Calendar uh, <laughs> sit, da- sit sit downs? How are you in there? How are you in there all the time?" That's and I was young, I was like twenty something, so I didn't know what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, what do you mean schedule? I didn't schedule." <laughs> she's like, "You just walk in I his just, office? We just do drive-bys." That's <laughs> she's like, "Do you just walk in his office?" And I was like, "Yeah, I just no one's in there, so I figured I just." He was sitting in there. He wasn't doing anything. Wow. And so I would go sit down and we'd have this whole conversation. So she said, well, you know, you have to kind of schedule those, Jeff. You can't just walk into his office and sit down and have a meeting. He's the president of HBO. I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't know. And so then I stopped going. And then, so then Colin comes down and like about a week or two later, he comes down and pokes his head in my office and says, hey, Jeff, how come you don't come to my office anymore? 
I was like, well, I was, I was told I'm not supposed to do. I'm supposed to schedule like these meetings. I'm sorry, I didn't know, Colin. He's like, come on. <laughs> so he brought me back into That's the office. And yet there was a whole little like uh, coffee cappuccino set up there, <laughs> and we would sit up, sit there, and like he said, just put Jeff on the schedule once a week. He can come and we'll we'll sit down and have okay. So it was it was kind of interesting. And I remember then she walked by, and he's like, I remember him asking me, he's like, who told you that? I I didn't tell him. I was like, I'm That's not fine. Gonna, yeah, I'm you should. I wasn't gonna talk. No but, snitching. Exactly. <laughs> but I remember she would walk by and look in there and she'd be like <laughs> <laughs> oh it's hilarious and funny she's still an executive in wow. this town to this day it's, it's, was, it's, it's hilarious I was, I was thinking about something you were talking about earlier you were talking about one of the directors who has the blue light and yeah Lionel yep Lionel. Mm-hmm. and I always say this jokingly but with all respect like anytime I watch a show and Paris directs it I know I, I know it's him mm-hmm. first shot there's something about how it's just clean. Everybody's got it's their signature. Clean. Everybody, you know everybody's saying? got their little signature. Yeah. Super, super clean. And you know the the Emmys are tonight and all that stuff. And you know he's nominated. So like tomorrow, super, tomorrow. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And so like super, super proud of like that episode six. Um, yes. Um, Dahmer. Oh, Dahmer. Yeah. That's God. amazing. Amazing for him. Like Paris is like a legend. You know, he's oh, yeah. just, he's, he's he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and you know Paris. Like, you know, not for nothing, you know, going into other scenarios of like mm-hmm. this, you know, we're just talking before you went on on the air um, about, you know, striking situations like mm-hmm. that. But Paris was a part of the DGA way before, you know, it was. How should I put this way before it was uh, woke? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. Exactly. And, and, you know, and woke gets a bad term. A, a it, bad, does. Uh, it gets a bad rap. I, I hate does. the fact that yeah. woke has now become this bad word when For it sure. is not. It is literally meaning to be awakened. Yes. And it's something that we started, meaning black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't and, everything? <laughs> and, yeah, pretty much. And um, and that now they've turned into a negative thing. What all woke means is to be awakened to the fact that guess what? Other people have feelings. Other people have you know rights. Other people there are issues. There are things that are happening. And when you awaken to the fact that oh maybe we should actually be kind of acting in e- equality. Right. As opposed to trying to shut people out and down, we should Correct. probably awaken ourselves to realize there are other stories to be told. There are other people we can hire. There are other, you know, there's a whole wealth of people now. When you you're, you're this narrow, but now you can open up to this. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame that that's no happened. doubt, no mm-hmm. doubt. Let me join in a shout out to Paris. We're all seeing your praises if you hear it. Yes. So all of us. You've had him on the show, yeah, right? No, I haven't had him on the How show. How come you haven't had Paris on the show? We'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> oh. he, he's busy. I'll help you. I'll help you get Paris oh, please, on the show. I can call Paris. I'm about to say, why, why don't you get him on the show? Paris amazing. <laughs> you know I'm the uncle to the kids. I can just, oh, that's right. That's right. I don't know. Yeah, you need to get it's him. all love. <laughs> get him on the show. Paris is amazing. It's I mean, but love. yeah, he he literally was, if you ask me, like, because a lot of black directors really, you know, weren't thinking. Back in the day, obviously, right. coming from, you know, uh, um, uh, like myself, hype, uh, you know, Benny Boom, other directors of music video scenarios. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't back in the day. We weren't caring about DGA. Right. We didn't. We always saw it as a, a, a you know, every, any guild, any union. We always saw it as a white thing, and a lot of that came from also my time working with Spike. I remember how Spike really broke down doors in the unions in New York mm-hmm. by forcing a lot of them to to hire black people. The Teamsters, he had a whole big thing with the Teamsters about hiring black people. Mm-hmm. And um, with me, like I was, me, I was a, the, like I said, I was an electric trainee mm-hmm. in IATSE 52, and there was not a lot of black people in, in IATSE. So, you know, a lot, when he hired interns, his whole goal was to say, hey, learn what these guys, grips, electricians, learn what they're doing. 
mm-hmm. so that you can take the test, right. pass it, and also become yeah. it, get in the join union. the union. Can, exactly, right. I can hire you next film, mm-hmm. and you know, sadly enough, we're gonna replace one of those one of these white people mm-hmm. with you because you know you need the opportunity. They've been doing it for years. Yep. That's, and that's right. the thing. That's, that's the thing that frustrates me so much about this whole era that we're that's living. That's how in. they keep us out. Exactly. But also the concept is you've been doing this for years. Like not not one, not two. Right. I'm talking mm-hmm. 10, 20, That's right. 30 years. Yeah. And just because now they're saying, hey, let's crack the door open for sport. Oh, right. this is reverse racism. What yeah. the? Mm-hmm. You've yeah. been doing it for 30 years. Right. You right. should actually be retiring now. It's insane. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you're mad yeah. because some other people are getting a chance to right. get in there. Insane. And they've never been, they've never had a chance. And before. how arrogant are you to think this other person getting a chance is somehow at the expense yes. of some yes. some opportunity that you are owed or you're entitled to. Exactly. When this other person has worked hard, is qualified, yep. done all the things. Passed the test. And you have passed the test mm-hmm. and you have a problem because you just feel like somehow it's being taken from you. Like I, I've never I am with you, my tolerated brother. That it is crazy, insane. It's it's the same theory that I talk about where at the agencies, for example, like a lot of people take the agency route, right? Mm -hmm. As they're going to be an executive or something, right? And you have to start in the mailroom. Yes. But you can't be in the mailroom unless you have a BA. What do you need to be a BA in the the mailroom for? (laughs) That is their way of Mm -hmm. keeping out people who normally, in their opinion, don't go to college. Yeah, it's a gatekeeper. You know what I'm saying? It's a gatekeeping thing. And and here's the thing. Oh, did, we, did I even answer your question? What was your question? Did I answer it? What was your question? The signature oh. thing, right? Was oh, yeah. I was, I was just reminding oh. you about Paris because it was it was just reminding me of that. Here's when I knew. The Lionel and Paris thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But here's when I knew Paris was going to be nominated for that particular episode mm-hmm. was as a gay man. I was watching an episode and there's the scene where the, um, the one who's, um, the, can you say death still? Or is that, what do you say now? Is that Okay. The deaf character who... Yeah, you can say it. Right, like, yeah. I don't know deaf, if that's proper, so yeah, I'm just trying to make yeah. sure that's... Uh, hearing impaired. Hearing impaired. impaired my apologies. You know, mm-hmm. the, the hearing impaired um, mm-hmm. character is out with his friends at the bar. He runs into yes. a guy mm-hmm. who throws him off because he realizes he's yep. hearing impaired. Yep. The next scene, they show them at the club. I mean, at the um, yep. at, the, at a little cafe, mm-hmm. which I'm from San Francisco. Me and Christopher, his husband, that's how yep. I know him. Mm-hmm. We would be out after going dancing to our house music, which mm-hmm, is what we did. Mm-hmm. We would go to the to, to go get some food, and we'd be talking about who we met or whatever the fuck is going on. And it was the first time I ever seen a scene like that, mm. where characters were talking like, "Girl, you bet not such and such." Mm. Ooh, he was after you, but they were doing it in si- it was like, silence. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that is the most brilliant scene I've ever seen in my entire. Yeah, life. That's, that's 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 yeah. yeah. It moved me. I was yeah. like bawling watching the scene. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. And there's a, there's a really good LA Times article <clears throat> that interviewed Paris and he talked about creating the environment and using silence so that mm-hmm. the audience would kind of get a sense of um, the, the deaf people's experience right. and ultimately making it not so different than anyone else's in yeah. terms of what they talk about. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah, they were literally talking like we it, would normally talk, but they were doing it all in silence. Amazing, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. Paris gets <clears throat> mad props for that, but yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, in, in the realm of that conversation, it's amazing how he, you know, and, and there's a few others in the writing space mm-hmm. as well, you know, WGA wise that have gone in and first through the door into a lot of these skills. And you know, it's so funny how, you know, 
you know, society, and y'all help me out with this at some mm -hmm. point, but has been, we've been forced to, society, not even we, because we're part of the, what we're about, what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> society has been forced to open the door because of affirmative action. Society right. has been, had to be forced to open the door to, you know, other folks. Right. And, you know, and some of those other folks were like the parasites of the world, the first to go through those doors and to be in there by themselves. Yeah. You know, facts. to be the one black person in the room mm -hmm. in, you know, this guild or that guild or this meeting or that meeting and and didn't have to, you know, sit there. And then, you know, and, and I think it's so funny how I think um, sometimes, you know, you'll have questions, you know, I don't know how you guys deal with it on set when you need a question of like, when they're asking like, you know, I remember I was on a set one time and something that happened. It was on some set. I'm not going to mention the set, mm -hmm. but something had happened in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, some ra a racial thing had happened, mm -hmm. and then people were talking. You know, there, you know, people, uh, you know, people having the talk shows and stuff about this racial thing mm -hmm. that happened. Um, and I remember on set, and um, we were talking, and they were like, "Well, you know, Jeff, and I was the black director on this <laughs> on this show, uh, this non-black show, and I was the only black person, you know, there." Well, you feel comfortable here, right? But this, you know, you don't feel like out of place here. And I was like, you know, and I, remember, I, know I was in the middle of something. Because there are some moments when you're on set, when you're in the middle of thinking about a scene or doing something. Mm -hmm. And the only thing, if somebody hits you with a question at the wrong time, just truth happens to dribble out of your yeah, mouth right. by accident. Yeah. You like, you forgot to, you forgot mm -hmm. to wear the mask or you forgot mm -hmm. to, to keep your code switch <laughs> right. in, in you order. You didn't have the filter on. Yeah, your filter was, was off. And, you know, and I remember she, the woman asked me, she's like, well, do you feel comfortable here, right? This is like a a safe space for you. I was like, well, no, not really. But I mean, I make myself feel comfortable. Right. And I remember she was shocked when I, when I, when I responded that way. She was like shocked. I'm sure it never occurred to her. She was like, wait, what, what do you mean? Yeah. And, you know, there have been a few instances of that. And then you have to have the whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember this one other producer asked me something. She was like, um, she had, you know, she just, this production manager. And she was, it was like her first time meeting me and I had done like this show over and over again and she was like what have I heard a lot about you and I remember one time she was, I think she was trying to just you know relate to me a little bit mm -hmm. more and she came up to me and she said you know your last name Bird that's a very unique name like where'd you get that and it was one of those moments again where I was like <laughs> out of body because I was thinking about this shot and thinking about this actor and thinking about my schedule and like oh how long mm -hmm. it's gonna take and and I remember she said well where did that last name come from that's a very unique last name B-Y-R-D Bird that's a very unique I, and I literally blurted out, you know, and I'm this is by Video Village, mm -hmm. and everybody's sitting there in Video Village. I said, oh, it's probably the slave masters who ever owned my family. <laughs> and, like, her face turned beet red, and then she started crying. What? And, what? yeah, she started, uh, like, crying and went back, you know, was trying to, you know, I was like, oh, shoot, I, let me go talk to wow. her. And I was like, hey, she's it like, It turned oh, into all, all about her. And she, 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 and I, I remember, and, and it was like, she was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a bad memory for you. I was like, well, it's not, <laughs> like, a memory for me i wasn't yeah. i wasn't a slave it wasn't i'm just saying it's, a it's facetious it's, it's, it's i said it probably came from that because we're all descendants here of, mm. of slave and slavery and of being enslaved and so and our last names usually come from where we were you know who owned um our mm. our families right so I, I i'm so sorry i didn't think more about the answer before yeah, we're I used to talking it. to each other like yes, that we exactly know, right? yeah. and and but she was very like she had become <laughs> it had moved her in a way where she was kind of you know upset at herself for asking mm. like she wasn't upset at me she was right. just upset at herself for asking i was like it's okay don't worry about it. it's, it's fine don't worry about it let's just all <laughs> let's just all go back let's get back to work let's do our thing let's keep moving right. forward here's what i say to people from other communities who may have an interest or a genuine curiosity people who don't have you know bad intent i said just remember 
like what we're looking for, like these movements and protests and people advocating for the like DEI and the whole, it's really just about what is fair. We're talking like fundamental fairness yeah. and everybody playing by the same set of rules. If you if you keep that in mind, you can really boil most of these things down to that. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's <clears throat> inroads in the entertainment space where we are, if it's police misconduct, I mean, mm-hmm. we go down the rabbit. But it's a fundamental. What we what people are asking for is fair. Mm-hmm. It's just fairness, one set of rules, and usually the people who have an issue are the people who have been uh, people who have had an advantage when the situation is other than fair mm-hmm. yeah. or there's other there are more than one set of rules if you, you stick with that and remember that and you can kind of sort of tell who's but when who you, and then but when you are and I'm not saying all of them are <clears throat> but when you are somebody who's mediocre mm-hmm. and you've made it yeah. in whatever realm you are yeah. you truly believe you are no longer mediocre that's that's true Hilliard, that's and that's the yeah. that's the, and you believe you got there because you were that good. Yeah, and that's the that's the scary part. That's the that's the scary part of it all because the mediocre ones are For sure are like, well, wait a minute. Um, I For used sure. to do, you know, eight episodes a year, one hour, and now I'm doing four. And yeah, you're doing four because actually you should have only been doing none. <laughs> right, but but right, but, it's automatically because. A woman or a person of color is yeah. over here. It's, 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 they feel like they've been they've been marginalized right. all of a sudden. Right. That's so funny how they use that word. I'm like, really? <laughs> and like you hear them now. It's like also it's like to me it's, it's interesting because like any moment of just discomfort mm-hmm. for like the people that we're talking that's about. Right. That's not everyone. It's not everyone, guys. So just just to be clear, I work with some amazing people of non color who are incredible and um, who understand. Right. Um, diversity and inclusion, and yeah, you know, we have a few allies out there. Yes, for sure. yeah, yes, <clears throat> you know, and and, and I, I think, and, and it's so funny. I don't even, I, I don't even like. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't even like calling them allies. You know why? Because um, allies kind of connotates a war. That's right. And, okay. and, and no, no, no. But I'm saying I understand that we use that word. But for me now, I think I'm starting to segue out of that mentality because of the fact that just me personally, mm-hmm. because. I just want, like what you said, I just want people that are going to do fair stuff mm-hmm. and deal fairly because I'm not in a war against you or anybody else. <laughs> my right. thing is this, we should all just look at this with a fairness. And I think there are some, like you said, that are that, that are with us and are like, oh, I'm just looking at it from a fair perspective. I'm not, you know, against them. It's just, it's just, it's just that. And it's amazing, though. But the ones that we're talking about that, like you said, the mediocres or the ones that are like have been so used to this privilege... Mm-hmm. They can't stand literally like one day, like one week of discomfort. Right. Like if even so the discussion, <laughs> even so the discussion true. hurts them feel hurts right. their feelings. Yes. To think, well, I don't understand why you know. And, and if we think about, and not <laughs> nobody just, wants to change. Yes, but if, <laughs> but also if we think about, let's as a people, right? Mm-hmm. If we think about, we can take our own selves, our own personal, mm-hmm. our own personal um, experience of. Um, of, of, of how that went down and how we've been marginalized. But then we think about our ancestors, even our parents and parents, parents, parents. And then you go into our ancestors, mm-hmm. the hundreds and hundreds of years that we've been marginalized. Mm-hmm. Right. But they can't stand one month of it. One mm-hmm. month That's of right. it. Or the suggestion that, you know what, in, in a meeting around the table like we're sitting, 
and someone says, hey, we should really, you know, we're looking at the, the writer's room here. Maybe we should put a, a you know, a, a somebody of color here and a couple of women. <gasps> yeah. Why? Why would you bring that, bring that up? We only want to hire the best people for the job. Why? And my friend so-and-so is the best person for the job. There you go. Your friend so-and-so who's yeah. mediocre? <laughs> you just want to hire your friend so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 just, it's, it's hilarious to me. For sure. It, it, for it, sure. It, and it's sad. So two-parter. I know we, but it's the rant room, so. We'll say, we're, we're ranting. <laughs> no apologies for any of it. There is no, um, there's no order. Take us, take us from, like, after your time at HBO. Yes. I'm assuming sort of early 2000s-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Television emerging at that time. Um, what's the impact of that time for you? And then, if there are any like lean times or challenging times, times when the work wasn't coming through, or whatever. Mm. Like, how did you how did you deal with with that? Oh man, see, you about to get you about to get us real here. In this room. I mean, what, you can pick and choose. You about to get us real here in this room. Uh, okay, so let me give. I'll, go, I'll give you a quick little arc. So, um, one festival, HBO, all that stuff. So then. Here's me thinking, I want to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I want to do feature film. That was still the prestige. And yes. I'm it. not doing any TV. Yeah. So I would turn down TV left and right all the time because I didn't, in my mind, I didn't want to do TV. I want to do these movies. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing, I did a, a film called 17 Again with T and Tamara. Mm-hmm. Um, I did this this movie for um, BET, this um uh, it was a BET Arabesque movie thing with mm-hmm. um, Wood Harris was in it mm-hmm. and um, a few of the folks, uh, Lisa Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, Arabesque. So Arabesque was doing romance novels yes. at the time. Yes. And BET was acquiring those properties. To do yes, this. indeed. Yes, indeed. Thank you for, <clears throat> thank you for explaining that to the folks. Um, so I was really on a movie thing. And I remember my first TV episode I got um, was a show called Soul Food, the series. Oh, yeah. And oh, that yeah. was, yeah, Soul Food, the series. And that was due to Bars Kojo. Bars Kojo and I were really good friends at the mm-hmm. time and love Bars. He's love him and I love Nicole, both amazing human beings. And Bars was like, yo, Jeff, you got to come do an episode of the show I'm on. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't do first season, I came in season two. And he wanted to introduce me to Felicia Henderson, who was, you know, the, sh- right the showrunner, the showrunner of Felicia. the showrunner of, um, <laughs> of Soul Food. And she was like, no, he's never done TV. No, 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 no. So Boris, you know, kept on pushing the issue until she finally met with me. Mm. And we had a meeting and the meeting went great. And um, and I was like, you know, she's like, okay, well, you know, I'll hire you to do an episode. And I was like, okay, great, wonderful. So, but I'm coming from film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is where it gets real. So I'm coming from <laughs> film. And I'm coming from film and music video. So in film and music video, as you both know, you know, director's king. Mm-hmm. Director's, yeah. director's king in film, director's king in music video. And you know, so nobody talked to you about how to how to. No, I had no, I had zero, I had zero orientation. <laughs> Television is very I had different. Zero TV orientation. So, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, great, I'm just gonna direct this episode, you know, like a movie, like I do. Look, look. So I, so they fly me out to Toronto, they put me up, you know, Felicia gives me, a, they get me a really nice room, you know, in this Park Hyatt hotel, it's a suite, you know, mm-hmm. the whole nine. And I remember I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. They sent me the script. I'm, you know, in my room breaking down the script. And then I remember her assistant at the time, young lady by the name of Demica. Demica's amazing. And um, and said, Jeff, okay, so we're gonna have tone meeting, and Felicia's gonna come by because it's shooting long today. So she's gonna come over to your um, hotel to do right. tone, start the tone meeting. Right. And 
uh, at the time, Tell I remember. people who don't know what the tone meeting is. Well, oh, sorry, yes. Um, so, uh, tone, do you want to explain the tone meeting? <laughs> Mr. Showrunner? On, on television, when a director is hired, um, he is brought in to meet with the showrunner, um, the top production people, and there's a discussion about the tone of the show to ensure that what the director goes and executes is consistent with the visual vibe and the storytelling vibe of the show. Yes. So that that's the way the show stays consistently the same. Right. And it's a very detailed meeting. It depends upon, you know, what kind of showrunner you have. You know, some show so some um It could take a couple hours, it could yeah. take an hour depending on Or it could take a right. couple of days. Yeah. Uh, with, like with Felicia, it's it's a couple of days because she goes through everything like with a fine tooth comb. Mm-hmm. So it literally like you take two days, like it's, it was with Felicia it was like like six hours a day. So we we, we had like that's a long. That's a long. That's a long yeah, thing. well, but it was my first episode though. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. It was my yeah. first episode, and she needed to hold your hand a little bit. And yes, and also she, I didn't realize it till way later. Mm-hmm. She guaranteed my episode. And for those that don't know what a guarantee means, it's, it's basically when a when a showrunner guarantees your episode, that means if you mess up as a director, they're going to take over the episode. They'll they'll direct the episode. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't know that until way later, like after like on my third or fourth episode of Soul Food, when because she would be on set every day. She would be literally on my set every day, reading in her notebook, like like writing in her laptop and stuff like that. And I don't know. I, I was like, oh, I thought that was the norm that you know. And then when I got my other episode, she was never there. I was like, how come we don't come down to set anymore? Right. She's like, oh, I don't have to now. You know what the show is. Uh-huh. And you know, it's, I, was, I was like, oh, so when you were there before, I said, yeah, we were probably gonna we were probably gonna replace you if you didn't. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so to finish this Demica story. Oh, to finish I love this little quick. Yes, yeah, finish <laughs> So to finish this Demica story, what happened was so so Demica called me. She's like, well, you know. Jeff, Felicia's going to come over. We're going to start the tone meeting. She's going to probably do about three hours with you today to this evening. So I'm like, okay, cool. Now, I was dating this very jealous girl at the time. <laughs> and so she would call me and text me all hours. And you'd be like, oh, I need to talk to you. And do all these things. And I had said to her, look, I'm going to do this tone meeting and with, with the showrunner. And so she's like, well, why? Why is she coming to your hotel room to do this tone meeting? And da, 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 da. It was a whole big old thing. Lord have mercy. So then she would call in the middle. So police would come over. And we would start tone meeting. Also, my phone would ring. I'd go and answer it. And I'd run back in the other room. Oh, no, that's no problem. And then, then when I stopped answering my cell phone, she would call the, the hotel line. And then I would answer that. And so at one point, I remember I was in my bedroom having this conversation. I came out. And Felicia was packing her stuff up. Mm. And I was like, oh, mm. we, 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 we're done for today? She's like, yeah, 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 we're done for today. Don't worry about it. We're, we're done for today. Mm. So then she goes, I was like, okay, cool. I'll just, you know, order dinner, right? And then next thing you know, my phone rings and it's Demica. And Demica's like, Jeff, what happened? And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, we, we had a little bit of torn meeting. She was here for maybe like an hour or so. Or, and then she said, no, did you answer the phone? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I answered the phone. It rang, so I answered the phone. She's like, you answered the phone during the tone meeting? <laughs> do you not know? Do you not understand? <laughs> she just called me and said, getting you a plane ticket to fly you back. <laughs> oh, like, wow. I was like, she's like, listen, here's what you got to do. So tomorrow, here's what you got to do. You got me at 6 a.m. You got <laughs> So she gave me like a rundown of like, you know, you know, what to do to, you know, get back in the good graces and to be ready. Mm-hmm. And she's, don't even bring your phone in. Don't just leave your phone, leave your phone at the, at the hotel. <laughs> don't, even bring, don't even bring your phone with you for the whole day tomorrow. And that I did and I showed up next morning and I had like, you know, the kind of coffee she likes and I was sitting in her office with my books out and everything just ready. <laughs> and then she, she came in and she's literally started laughing right away. She looked out, she said, Demica, you <laughs> <laughs> She knew. And Demica was like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And and from that moment on, it was great. Then I knew. 
what mm-hmm. TV was. Mm-hmm. Then I learned. Good. And, and you know, Felicia really... That was a good lesson, though. Kinda, was, oh, it was yeah. a great lesson. Yeah. Great lesson. And then Felicia really ushered me into what, you know, TV is and was. I ended up doing like 20, 22, 23 episodes oh, of wow. Soul Food, the series. Yeah, it bought my, that, that show literally bought my house. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, it was just amazing, amazing experience. I was like, you know... And, and here's the thing. Was that Showtime? Oh, Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. And, <laughs> and oddly enough, and full circle is I'm back on Showtime. I'm over yeah. on Showtime with um, Yellow Jackets. Yeah. So it's a whole full circle there. Look at that. That's nice. The, that's, that's the arc there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Arc there. And it's all downhill from here, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're gonna do. We're gonna keep going uphill. We're gonna keep right, we right, keep right. reaching them. We're gonna, we're gonna create a new mountain to reach. But it was, you know, it was it, it did so to answer your question in that regard, that was a little bit of a of a of a, a bump in the road and learning lesson. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I did a film called King's Ransom, um, which you know where I met Kalita. Mm-hmm. Who you also worked with? Yes, I worked. And I worked with Kalita. Too. So you worked with Kalita as well. Uh, we so. did a play before she ever made it, and I was like, "You're gonna be a star." She's like, "Don't say that." I said, "Watch." Love Kalita. Two mm-hmm. years. Love Kalita. <laughs> Shout out to Kalita. Shout out to Kalita. <clears throat> Love Kalita. And um, that film tanked like badly. It was. It was like it made zero dollars, mm. and that was my you know fetal position moment. Oh, that was that was me director at the, jail. That was yep. Yeah, that was that, and also just me just not wanting to even you know leave the house mm. for like a year. I think I was just like I put myself in the cocoon for like a year. Mm. And did it? Did it go to DVD at that time and do okay or anything? Yeah, or? I mean, yeah, it, did, it had its own little. It had its own little yeah. cult following now, based on certain little yeah. things. And but, but we only cared about what was in the box office at that. Time. Yes, at that time. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, it's so the mess up thing. It came out. Um, I remember once again, John Singleton, God rest his soul. It came out the same weekend or a week or maybe one week from when Hustle and Flow came out. Ah, mm. damn. And here I am thinking I'm gonna beat hustle and flow, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I was super, 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 okay, du- they super went duper. to the Oscars with that song. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> I was super cocky back then, so I was mm-hmm. like, John, we're gonna beat y'all this weekend. And I'm like, oh, this tank, tankola, <laughs> and so that hurt my internal feelings. Mm-hmm. And then it, it kind of you know kept me away from features, and I really dove you know mm-hmm. headfirst into into TV and into TV movies. Mm. So I did a film called Jasper, Texas with John Voight, Lou Gossett, and Joe Morton, okay. um, which won a bunch of awards. It was about the dragging death of the black man, of mm-hmm. the black man in, in, in Jasper. Mm-hmm. And um, by these three skinheads. And so that won me a lot of stuff. I mean, so I would want to do stuff like that. Then. Mm-hmm. And then really stay in TV because TV, like I said, was starting to really now come up into not just... Well, I remember back in the day they would call TV like... Um, uh, like you were a traffic cop, like you, you know, it, as you were a director, uh, you were a traffic cop on a television set. Well, as now that's not the case. Right. Now it's really a nice, you know, melding of you know the showrunner and and the director and then the writers and the director. All those things are now it's a nice mm. melding. Everybody's really you know collaborative. Mm-hmm. And and that's why you're able to have films. I mean, shows like Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and yeah. Succession, and mm-hmm. you know, my show Yellow Jackets. It's, it's you know, it's being able to you know have because it's because like for my show for Yellow Jackets, um, I, my show. Should I say my show or the show I'm on? It's, it's one thing because it's really my show running show. Our show, but <laughs> our show, yes, our show. Um, Yellow Jackets. It's you know, first of all, it's, it's, it's how, how, uh, did, how did you come to Yellow Jackets in first? Um, how did I come to Yellow Jackets? Okay, that's a really good question. It's a really good story too. And you came in from the beginning, season one. No, I was. I, I think I came in season two. Oh, you came. There in was a different two. me in season one. Um, oh, okay. uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Jamie, and he was, you know, he was great and mm-hmm. uh, as well, but he couldn't do season two. 
And um, so they were they cast a, a net. So the showrunners, Jonathan, Ashley and Bart, um, Ashley and Bart created it. And Jonathan came on board. They're all the showrunners of it together. We call them jab mm-hmm. and they're geniuses. I always call them that. And they don't like it when I call them that <laughs> because they get they get they get uh, a little embarrassed. But they are geniuses. And I call them that to their faces because the show is amazing mm-hmm. and it's so well done it's so well written mm-hmm. and it's so visual and and they are just like so gracious of collaborators that they're like well what do you think about this scene jeff or what do you think about this Love so that. how that kind of happened was i was watching that show oddly enough for those who do not know yellow jackets is a series about a girl's um soccer team the soccer team is called the yellow jackets and they get into a plane crash and have to um survive out in the wilderness um they have to do all the wildernessy things like try to find food um deal with each other's you know little miscellaneous attitudes and and intricacies of how they live life and they're just trying to remain sane in an environment where you would go insane mm-hmm. and that's the show and um it's starring you know christina ricci tawny cypress melanie linsky um it, it's 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 an amazing Dope cast it's it's an amazing yeah. amazing <laughs> cast and i'm so happy and blessed and grateful and thankful to be on board it so how kind of how that happened was it's you know it's odd this is funny this is I'm about to say another thing that kind of, so for some reason, it kind of encompasses my life. Tell it, tell it. So um, I, I was um, dating this girl. And, <laughs> You're always dating a girl and, about some shit. <laughs> and, um, and she was watching the show, and I remember I was going to make dinner. I was making dinner. I was like, oh, okay, I'll make some dinner. You come on over. Because I, I like, in my off time, I like to cook. Mm-hmm. I like to call myself a little un-Michelin starred cook. You know, I'm, I'm looking for my Michelin star one day when I open a restaurant, but I, heard that. I like to, I like to, like to cook. So, and, and some people know that. So they're like, oh, Jeff, you're going to cook? I'm going to come over there. Mm-hmm. So she was like, oh, I'm going to come over there. I was like, okay, great. She's like, but I'm watching this show, Yellow Jack. You got to watch it because then when I come over, you can, we can start watching it together. You can catch, you can catch up. If you catch up to me, I'm on episode three. I said, okay, cool. So I'm going to um, start watching it as I cook. And I figured, you know what I thought? And I told this story to my showrunners. They know this story. So I was like, I thought it was just going to be background noise as I cooked. (laughs) I thought, okay, I'm going to cook in my kitchen. I'm going to look up every once in a blue moon at the TV. And then I'll just keep cooking. Mm -hmm. So that's what my goal was. Just so I can at least know a little bit about the story. And I'm sitting there, start to cook. And I'm looking up. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Oh, oh. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. I stop cooking. (laughs) And I literally go sit down. And I am literally watching the show. So by the time she gets over to the house... She's like, I don't smell anything cooking. What do you? What, did you? What did you put? Did you finish? And I was we, like, No, I didn't finish. You got me watching this this show. I'm stuck. I'm literally stuck on the show. So we had to order like DoorDash or something, and and then like sat there and literally binge the whole thing. I'm like, This is amazing. Now this is way before mm-hmm. the call came mm-hmm. for that. I never thought I was gonna be. You know, never thought that would happen. It's way, but it's like a like a almost a year before the call came in from my agent. And I was um, the I was a, 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 the producing director on this. I was EP director on this other show, um, Our Kind of People, for Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Yaya DaCosta, Mars Chestnut. Um, you know, I was I was on that show. Joe Morton was on that show as well. So, and after that show had ended, and we didn't get picked up, my agent called and said, "Hey, so do you want to do you want to you know EP direct again? Do you want to go EP direct again?" I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, oh, okay, well, there's a there's a show. They're looking for, you know, a PD, a producing director. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. What show is it? He's like, yeah, you might not be interested. Maybe she'll use another. Yeah, I was like, no, no, what is it? He's like, 
uh, it's yellow jackets. I was like, yellow jackets? He's like, stop lying. You never saw yellow jackets. I was like, yeah, I saw yellow jackets. Stop, stop, stop. I love, stop, stop, I love stop, stop, that show. Lying. Exactly. He's like, you had not seen no yellow jackets. I was like, oh my God, I love that show. And he was like, really? Okay, well, I'll get you a meeting. Mm. And he got me a meeting. Did you go back and look at it again? I didn't have to. I absorbed you, that whole you, show. Okay, I, absor- I literally knew every single aspect of that show. Nice. I literally was quote in the, in the meetings. I was quoting them lines and different situations about the show. You were a real fan. Oh my, no, I was beyond a fan. Ever wonder how to bottle up pure excitement, unbridled joy, and limitless potential in a single word? Woohoo! Woohoo Apparel is on a mission to unleash the infectious energy of woohoo onto the world. And they're doing it with undeniable style. I'm talking cool, fun designs made of soft-combed, ring-spun USA premium cotton and 50% polyester and in sizes from small to extra large to fit all Woohoo enthusiasts across the globe. Get your t-shirts and apparel at WooHooApparel.com and use the promo code WooHooSRR. That's capital W-O-O-H-O-O, lowercase s links in the show notes and so i'm watching it and i mean i'm i'm having these meetings so i have like about i think it's like about four meetings mm-hmm. so i have a meeting with you know uh, um these dzps first um and then uh, at second meetings with, with, was with the showrunners because okay. the first meeting it's kind of like you got to get through the doors like well you know Right. You can get through these first. So you meet the exec, yeah, and yeah. then you meet the show. And then, and then at my show at a meeting, right. and each one of my meetings was like two hours. Each one of my meetings, it's, that's it's, really each good. Each one of my meetings lasted like two hours. We were just, you know, I was never lack of conversation mm-hmm. or information mm-hmm. about the show, right. and it went on and on and on. And I think, but 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 still, in the back of my mind, I didn't know or think uh, you know I was going to get it. I was like, well, I probably won't get it, but hopefully, I can talk myself into. Get an episode, episode yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was that was I think my main goal, and but also let them know I know the show, I know it better than almost them. Mm-hmm. I'm like I, I I'm right up there with you guys on the yeah. show, and you know so I had a bunch of meetings, and I remember after each meeting my my agent would call me and be like, well what did you say? They, they, <laughs> what did you say in this meeting? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? They He's like, well, they, they really like you. They're like, I don't understand what you're saying in these meetings. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't even remember Jack. That's my, 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 my agent's name. Yeah. I was like, he's like, well, they want to set another meeting up. So you, you're, you know, you game for another one? It's like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you now you got to meet with the studio and then you got to meet with the network. So it was a whole thing. And I remember, um, I remember when I got the job, I was literally on a hike on mm. Fryman. And my phone rang, mm-hmm. and Ashley Lyle is one of uh, one of the one of the um, uh, uh, showrunners Show slash creators. Mm-hmm. And Ashley had called me, mm-hmm. and you know, and these sometimes in these meetings, you know, people will give you their numbers, mm-hmm. their cell phone numbers, and I'll give them, you know, yeah. and and some that's only if they like you, yeah. you know. So just rule rule of thumb out there, <laughs> no doubt. Rule of thumb out there for folks: if someone likes you, if you get someone's phone number in a meeting, in the Zoom meeting while that's it's happening, right. that's that that means they like you, hundred yeah. percent. And um, Ashley had given me her number, but I didn't. I didn't put it in my phone. I did not. I didn't. I didn't program it in. They'd right. all give me their numbers, yeah. but I didn't program it in. And I remember I was on a hike because I hadn't. I guess I hadn't had a chance to program it in yet, or or I did, just didn't think they'd ever call me. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe I don't need to program. They'd never call me. Right. So um, my phone rang, and this number I didn't recognize, and, and I'm like, I, I answer it, and she goes, hello. And I'm just quiet because, you know, we're living, we're living in the age of these spam calls. Yes. And I'm, I'm very, you know, for sure, very rare, wary of saying yes and, no, you know, exactly. the whole thing. 
they get your voice ai gets your voice and now someone's calling saying that jeff Burt. you know so i didn't say anything she said hello and she said jeff and i'm like quiet for a while and i finally said then i finally say yeah i thought i know and i make sure not to say yes i said hello <laughs> and i said who is this and 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 she said ashley i said ashley who she's like <laughs> ashley lyle and i was like oh hey ashley all right she's like i got Hilarious. jonathan and bart on the phone too i'm gonna conference them in and i was like oh okay and i'm thinking oh wow they're all calling me i guess maybe i got an episode mm. and you know and she's like well we just want to welcome you to the show as our new producer i was like what wow. literally i am screaming <laughs> at the top of my lungs I know that on fryman canyon with my little <laughs> my little hiking group and I got a little hiking group that I do that I do hikes with, and I am screaming at the top of my lungs, thankful I that I got nice. this job. Let me, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. This is a great. Yeah. St- I love these stories. Tell everybody what what's the role of the producing director? That's an interesting question. There does it change on different shows? Or That's pretty much. Did you guys have a producing director on your show? You didn't. You did not. Um, did we the, kind the, of did Kena, by Kena? necessity. Um, Kena Ferguson uh, did season two. Um, and you know, did she just direct all the one. episodes as opposed to she? She did all but one. Okay. Um, but because of we had a limited amount of days, budget challenge. She didn't get the title, but she was a. Both of our directors were producing directors. Okay. Got it. And then Katrina, who's the co-creator of the show, she also directed an episode. Um, same with um. Jamal, Jamal, season one. Um, but you guys did not do that under DGA, though. They were well under DGA. They were directors. I'm not sure about the PD but, but distinction. Not, DGA, yeah, but wise. she's not. Keen is not DGA though. She was not DGA yet. Yeah, you guys are not done DGA. So we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah, no doubt. How y'all can do, you know, no DGA doubt. stuff. All all legal. <laughs> you know, there are lower budget tiers and a whole yeah, thing. But, but there's still a way. But no that's doubt. all. That's my little, that's my little African American steering committee co-chair <laughs> thing. I, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate I, I it. Had a little moment because I want yeah. I want to make sure I do know, that for writers too. So I, yeah, I, 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 I want to make rep sure for Kina all day long. Yes. I want to make sure directors get in these guilds and get you know get in the guild and get their, get their get their pension and health yep. and all the you know all welfare all the stuff they get all yeah. the stuff that they need to get. So that's for the future because you know hey every day goes by nobody's getting any younger <clears> and yep. you don't you don't want that. So, so anyway, to answer your question then Hilliard about the role producer the role producing director so it varies right okay. so it varies now the thing interesting thing is i think we're gonna we're coming into an era we're gonna find more shows gonna have producing directors yeah. because of what we provide to a show um for example and it varies on per show basis like for example i i much like kina um on my first in my first ever time doing it it i was uncredited for it so i did it for once again the amazing mm-hmm. felicia henderson mm-hmm. Um, hired me when she did. She was the showrunner of the last season of Single Ladies, and yeah. it ended up shooting in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And Felicia was like, "Well, Jeff, do you want to, you know, go with me to Toronto and you know help, you know, wrangle the show?" Yeah. And I was like, "Well, sure. What do you mean?" And she said, "Yeah, I'm gonna have you direct like two episodes or maybe four, but then when you're not directing, you help me kind of, you know, wrangle the set and wrangle all the people and all the things." Right. I was like, "Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll do it." I didn't, you know, and this was even before I even knew what a producing director was. Right. She was using me as that. And um, and it was a great experience. And I was able to then hire a young lady named Dawn Wilkinson, who's an amazing director, mm-hmm. who is from Canada. 
and now she's moved down here to you know America, and she directs here all the time. They all want to be in our DGA, and not the DGC, whatever. Yes, the DGC, their, their benefits yeah. DGC are not yeah. anything in comparison. No, 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 you know, no shade to DGC, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it, the DGA has a lot better benefits than DGC. So um, the PD's job, the producing director's job, is it varies. So a lot of times, let's say for example, I go on on Yellow Jackets, mm -hmm. on Yellow Jackets. <clears throat> You know, I'm there to take some of the a lot of the weight off of like the AD department as far as like, you know, dealing with the actors and scheduling and making sure that everybody's OK and everybody has a number they can call at any point in time if they right. ever have an issue. Mm -hmm. And my phone will blow up if they ever have an issue. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning, 3 a.m. I'm answering that phone call. Mm -hmm. You know, if Christina Ricci calls me or texts me, I'm hitting her back. Mm -hmm. You know, I am I'm making sure that we can then bring that stuff up to the up the flagpole so that either it can get handled or we can have another way of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the directors on the set. So I, I kind of go down and make sure they're staying. So after they have the tone meeting. So are you at their tone meeting and all that too? Definitely. Okay. So after the tone meeting, because sometimes what ends up happening with people. Now this is just in general. Not talking about just, I'm not talking about uh, just Yellow Jacket stuff here. Mm -hmm. But in general, after a director will have a tone meeting, sometimes eh, it's not so much they'll forget, but they'll kind of forget. Mm -hmm. And because sometimes the tone meeting will happen, some Couple people have, out. yeah, <clears throat> some people have tone meetings early, yeah. and some people have tone meetings at the end. Now, I, I find it's good to have a pre-tone meeting in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then uh, the, a tone meeting towards the end when they're about to go to stage, when they're mm -hmm. about to go to set, because that way they'll all oh, you can remind them. Yeah, but it's also my job mm -hmm. as the, the the producing director to come over and be like, hey, so you know. The scene should be a little scarier, you know. Our show is about mm -hmm. the, you know, you know, yeah, not so much jump scares. Got to keep it on creepy. track. Exactly. It has to be creepy. I don't think this is creepy enough. I think mm -hmm. they want a creepier. Let's try a creepier version of this, or let's, you know, just to remind them, mm -hmm. you know, oh yeah, you're right. This is I forgot. This is what the show is because they're, you know, guest directors. What they call guest directors. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm there. It's my home where I'm at. Whether, mm -hmm. whether it be you know Yellow Jackets or our kind of people, that's my home. Whereas when a person comes in, this you're the guest director. And as a guest, sometimes you forget, hey, don't put your feet up on the coffee table. Right. Oh, because I put my feet up on the coffee table at my house, but we're not at your house. Exactly. You're at my house, so right. don't put your feet up on the coffee table. So you got to remind people sometimes mm. of, this, of the rules that we have in, this, yes, in mm. this new place. So that's also what I do. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, another aspect is like if indeed like a director can't finish an episode or if there's more stuff to pick up. I'm there to be like, okay, well, I need that so hand. You go in second unit, yeah. some shit, yeah, or whatever. go second unit, some yeah. stuff, and you know, all with the approval, sure. you know, pre-approval of the director and the DGA because that person has to move to go to another show sometimes. Because a lot of times on um, on um, Yellow Jackets, we work with a lot of sought-after directors, like Emmy-winning and nominated directors. So when they finish <laughs> their episode, a lot of times they're onto another show. And they're not able to come back and reshoot or right. shoot this yeah. additional thing yeah. or Pickups. pick up this, yeah, yeah. you know, this hand doing this or, mm -hmm. you know, Melanie walking over there. Mm -hmm. And I'll do those mm -hmm. and and make sure they're still in the same vein. I have to watch every episode. You know, I also give notes you gotta on, match on the edit. Yep. Mm -hmm. Actually, then I give notes on the edits. You know, so it's so it's a lot it's of that. a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work, you know, you know, and it's funny, I, and, and coming full circle, mm -hmm. another conversationally, I, I learn a lot 
from um, my my mentor team, mm-hmm. um, which is Paris Barkley. Right. I would call him. I would call him. Let me tell you something. You ever asked Paris how many times I called him when I was on Yellow Jackets to deal with certain situations? <laughs> he he was all and he and I love Paris because he would always answer the phone. So him and uh, 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 Tunde Sonsami, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Tunde would mm-hmm. I call him mm-hmm. um, because Tunde was the man for me mm-hmm. with Star Trek. With Star Treks, I did. I did um, uh, Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had my little team of, of, of mentors, um, and uh, Chris Fisher, who was over at, um, uh, Stranger Worlds. So I would call him as well. So the three of them, they would get my, my phone calls, like every once in a blue moon, I'd call them, Hey, so, um, you know, this script did this today and I'm thinking maybe, you know, they got to (laughs) go. He's like, what do you think? Oh, they did what? Okay. Yeah, definitely. You got that. That person's got to go or, you know, or no, 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 don't, you know, don't, you know, that's one strike. Maybe, you know, wait, wait for the, for the second strike to see what, how that goes. So it was always like, you know, that kind of thing. So it's always good to have a, you know, a a support group for sure around you. So it's really the producing director's job is really about making, making all the things easier and also being the voice. Cause a lot of times, the showrunner is too busy to come to set. Correct. So the producing director is the one that's down there that mm-hmm. kind of can also enforce the showrunner's voice yeah. and rules. So the showrunners a lot of times are in the edit or they're writing something or that's whatever. Right. So I would go down there and I'd be on set pretty much that's every right. day. Yeah. And um and making sure and then the actors would you know if they had an issue you know with a thing or a script thing or if the writer wasn't there they'd come over to me. Like, so oh, that's Jeff. that's what I was just about to ask you. How do you coincide with whoever the writer is who's producing their episode that? Oh, excellently. Um, but all the writers on, first of all, all the writers on um, Yellow Jackets are amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a very collaborative um, experience there. So they would, we, whenever we were both on set, mm-hmm. we would always be next to each other and we'd always be talking. Like, what do you think about this? Or Jeff, what do you think about that? And I'm like, Amini, what do you think? Amini Rosa, who's one of the um, executive producers and writers as well. I'm like, well, what do you think about this? And then uh, Julia, there's, a, there's a, a bunch of amazing writers that would come down to the set in Yellow Jackets. And the beauty of it is they'd always give me my respect for the job that I do, mm-hmm. and I would give them their respect for the job that they do. And I would never step on their toes, and they'd never step on mine. I'd be like, you know, you know, so-and-so's got a, you know, a writer question, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd be like, well, did you answer it? I was like, no, that's your, you, yeah. you know? I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's your lane. I'm not going to do that lane. for you. I, I think some of that sometimes was a test, like, yeah. and then, then she'd look at me and give me a wink, like, yeah, I'm going in. And, <laughs> you know, and we'd have this nice little, because we'd go out to dinner a lot, all mm-hmm. me and my writers, we'd go out to dinner a lot. And, you know, and I love, you know, watching, you know, writers in their lane answering, you know, the writer questions. Yeah. And that's super important and imperative to me. And sometimes I'll just be there to ear jock and listen. Mm-hmm. And that way, if they're gone, if they don't know or if they're not in the in, in the room, you know, for a second, I can then say, you know, well, I actually I overheard how many she said this is how this character is thinking at mm-hmm. time. But you can wait till she comes in or you can try to do a take. And when she comes in, you know, we'll have playback. You know, run it back right. just so she can take a look at it. Right. And then when Amini would come in, she'd be like, "Hey, so what happened? What I missed?" I said, "Oh, someone had a question about this." She said, "Did you answer?" It? I said, "Yeah, I answered it the way you answered it the other time." Mm-hmm. She's like, "Okay." I said, "Do you want to see it?" She'd be like, "No. If you if you said that, then I'm fine." That's I'm like, "Are you sure?" She's like, "Yep, yeah, yeah. No, Jeff, we're good." That's true. And trust. you know, so it's, so it's, so that's what's important to have in good relationship. I think as a producing director with your writers mm-hmm. is totally respect each other fully, and as a producing director, respect the fact that writing in TV, you know is king and you have to kind of you know that's where it all stems from and how are we as directors now going to service that you know and that's the thing we're servicing it the actors are servicing it all of us are servicing the writing production designer you know props everything is servicing the writing what's Mm -hmm. on the page 
and then you know and then going from there and then just adding it's like gumbo what spice are you going to add to the gumbo because the the base is the like the roux right so mm-hmm. the, that's the base of it all and then we're gonna mm-hmm. you know we're gonna enhance that uh, but but respect respect the roux respect it i have, I have oh, go ahead respect go ahead. the roux now go ahead. go ahead i have i have a couple of questions one is um and then we'll let you go soon um, one hey, is, I'm here for however long you need. Because okay. I was late, y'all. I'm late. I'm sending a big basket of, of red vines, actually, because yeah, there's one big yeah, red vines yeah. on the table. Late Just but gracious. A bunch of donuts from SK Donuts. We'll be good. Okay, um, cool. I'm, I, I will send that. I will send that Okay, so here's my question for you. Um, so, all right, I'm putting pieces together. Two things. When you are actually directing, mm-hmm. this is a question I asked to Carl Seaton, too, so I'm curious to hear your voice on this. I asked him. I asked him. I asked him two questions. One was, now that you've been doing all this network television and you're doing two, three, four cameras at once, yep. would you ever go back when you do a movie? And he was like, "Hell no! Like I would shoot the movie with at least two or something like that." So that's one thing for you. I agree. The, okay, and why? I want to know from you. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, um, damn, I lost my fucking thought. I talk too much. Let's stay with that. And I'll probably it come back to me. Go ahead. Okay, so. That question in regards to would I use more cameras in a feature? Here's the thing, you know, yes, I would. I would use two at least because mm-hmm. there's magic happening elsewhere. Yeah. So, you know, I may be pointing the camera at someone who's talking at that time, but there's also magic happening in the person that's listening. There may be magic happening with their yeah, reactions, mm-hmm. their body language, their, you know, hand on a, on a table mm-hmm. or, you know, hand on a glass. You know, and that camera can capture a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I and, you know, and being on these shows now. And here's the thing. The, the funny thing about it is just I'll take, for example, Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets, it feels we shoot that like a single camera show. Yeah, it feels, it like, feels single. like single camera. Sure right? does. Yeah. But um, because we, we do it with a cinematic approach. But there's always another camera rolling. And so every one of those actors know at any point in time they could be on camera. So they're always they're always emoting. They're always Mm. they're always present. That's good. They're always there's there's never any of that moment of Mm -hmm. I'm not on. It's just over my shoulder. Okay, cool. I'm just going. I'm just going. I'm just going to be. Yeah, because you can tell that too. You know, even from an over the shoulder, Mm -hmm. you can tell if somebody's you know body language. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. You can tell by their body language just from the shoulder and the side of their head. Mm -hmm. If they're into the scene or if they're not, yeah. and you know, moment you tell them, hey, it's not safe because that camera could be rolling right there, and that camera's rolling right there, and this one's rolling over here, and so mm-hmm. you know, and that's how we keep that cinematic feel. So I, I, I agree with Carl. I would never do uh, a single camera oh, shoot from a feature. I know what it was. How do you show your voice in a show that's existing? That's a very. How do you find moments to go like, ooh, now I get to play with this moment here? See, so that's the best question, Hilliard. That that you could ask in regards to TV be, and, and the directors in TV mm-hmm. because it's hard. It's a hard thing. Yeah. Um, because sometimes I think you... Okay, so let's say for example. I, I went on this one show. Mm-hmm. I went on this one show where the, the, the show that shall remain nameless, but I went on this one show where a lot of the people, the production people, would tell me, oh, the showrunner doesn't like this kind of shot. Oh, the showrunner doesn't like those kind of shots. Right. The short, so anytime I'm thinking I'm bringing a little bit of myself to the table, mm-hmm. somebody would come over and be like, well, you know, <laughs> so-and-so doesn't like these profiles or mm-hmm. so-and-so doesn't like this the way you, this happens or doesn't like it. And I'm like, okay. So mm-hmm. then it, it kind of beats you down a little bit to right. make you think, mm-hmm. well, this person just wants over the shoulders a wide, medium, and over the shoulder, you know, kind just of thing. Bland. I'm like, 
I'm like, but that does that's not the show I've watched though. Yeah. I watched the show and mm-hmm. I wanted to come here because right. I watched the show and right. it doesn't seem to be that. So well, how come my and that's when you have to realize you have to figure out if you're gonna fight for your vision or mm. not and go mm. and that's and I had to learn that on that yeah. show. I had to learn it and I literally decided I'm gonna just fight for my vision. It was rough because every day they would tell you know I I I'd hear you know people sighing and you know letting mm. out their breath between their teeth and like uh, like you know you'd hear that yeah because they just wanted to go home or mm-hmm. or, or they're like well why is he complicating our life why right. can't we just why can't he just do these simple <laughs> shots why do you want to put the camera over there why is he <laughs> put, this is not, and the funny thing about it is after that show after that i did that show and i had it was really hard because it was a hurricane during the shoot it was crazy mm-hmm. um after i did that show a lot of the shots that these people were telling me were not going to make it into the show were in the episode we're in the episode i'm like they're they told me this was terrible. They told me that was terrible. They told me this was not going to be in the show. Right. They told me that the showrunner doesn't like this. That's people with some personal issues. Right. But I remember, I remember, time. Carl was telling me, and I'm totally out. No, go ahead. On you. Go on, yeah, you Carl go. was telling me, if I recall, here's an example of something that I recall he gave me. It may be something else, but this is what I remember. He's really good at doing a wonder, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a complicated shot. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I could save him a lot more money if we just do it in a winner. Mm-hmm. And once he did that and it worked, they were like, you got to come back next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was a way of showing his voice, if you yes. will. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's, but, it, but it's all a risk, though. Right. Because a lot of times they don't really understand that, that winner until you get it done. Right. Because a lot of times they're just looking at this, yeah. and I'm looking mm-hmm. at my watch, you guys. They're just yeah. looking at mm-hmm. the, the like, well, how long is going to take for him to get this shot, mm-hmm. or how long is going to take for her to yeah. do this mm-hmm. setup? Yeah. The timing, the choreography, yeah. everything yeah. has to be perfect. Yes, yeah. and in their mind, sometimes they're thinking, well, we could have shot this already if we just would have did a, you know, a little bit of a, a, a medium <laughs> exactly. and a medium and two overs, you'd be moving <laughs> exactly, on. Right. And instead of going, you know what? And and Carl's good with that because he, you know, he loves to give you know his show cinematic flair, mm-hmm. and then they're thankful for it after the fact. Right. But believe me i'm sure he's having to you know you know yeah, fight. well not so much now but i'm saying in the beginning i'm yeah. sure he's had to fight the good oh, yeah. fight the fights now people trust him mm-hmm. obviously but in the beginning of doing that i'm sure he's had to have you know the explaining sessions of well here's why and here's what i'm telling you when you guys see this at the end you're gonna you know because people are like looking at their watches and even the ad's you know god bless them i love ad's but you know when you're new to a show and the ad's even it's not that they don't want you to win because they do mm-hmm. but they're like oh, this is a new person yeah. i've got to help them through it, and it takes a minute to establish trust yeah. yes like it, it doesn't happen just because you show up it, it exactly takes and i think people don't realize that especially in in tv and i think when directors come from film to tv they don't realize oh they're not trusting me i'm not i'm not oh everybody's over there looking at their watch because mm-hmm. you're the new you're the new person that's right Everybody else has been doing this now, especially right. if you're in season three, four, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're the new, you're the new person mm-hmm. in their scenario, yeah. and and sometimes that's jarring because you know when you yell cut and everybody's like, okay, they all they're going to get coffee, they're going <laughs> exactly. to this, and you're the only one sitting there going, wow, wasn't that great? And you're looking around, no one cares about, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no one's giving you a high five for that shot <laughs> yeah, because they're right. like, I'm like, I'm looking like, Wah. no, nothing. Okay, <laughs> well, all right, well, okay, I guess next setup then, I'll you know we'll we'll set up the next day. <laughs> so you know, and, and it's not until like you said, second or third episode you're coming right. back like what you just said about carl mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're like oh Red, right. carl's here oh yeah. jeff's here you know it's like oh welcome back you know then they love you but that first one it's rough yeah. it's rough you are yeah, say nah just just <clears throat> fully in agreement i can i can remember i haven't directed but i've, I've witnessed a lot of what what jeff is talking about and let me, let me ask you this so 
when I direct things, I always have space where I give my actors a gimme. Yep. Like, um, because I'm a trained actor, I can look at, at, at an actor and be like, oh, his instinct, he wanted to, he wanted to go over there, but he didn't mm-hmm. go because we directed him this way. So on the next one, I'll go, do what you would normally do. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do it my way and then do that thing. I could feel it right there. Mm-hmm. You wanted to, he's like, yeah, I did. I was like, go ahead and just, you know, whatever. Is there space for that for the director where you're like, or is it because there's so less time and that once you can't, you don't have time to reset shit and all this stuff like that, that it's just easier to let them do it the way we have it and maybe just make little tiny adjustments within it or? Well, I think it depends on, it depends on the show. So to answer that question in that regard, I mean, I like to also make time for of you know okay let's try it your way scenario mm-hmm. but then there are shows like for example like um like yellow jackets is very specific okay so if you think about what um uh, uh um i'll say you know, christina like so it, it, so thinking about what uh misty what misty is right mm-hmm. and and misty's mannerisms and stuff um and so christina you know knows what misty is you know, you know, Christina and Samantha Hanratty created, you know, Misty, Me- meaning that obviously the showrunners created Misty. Mm-hmm. But as far as like mannerisms and certain things that that, that was her that, as younger and then her. Yes. Samantha Hanratty plays um, uh, young Misty. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Christina Ricci plays the grown up version mm-hmm. of Misty. And the mannerisms, like when she pushes up her glasses and she has this little, you know, like quirky, like head, head, mm-hmm. head tilt. And also the fact that Misty is ruthless. Uh, and mm-hmm. she will literally kill you. She will catch you, bitch. And, yeah, and you will not even know you're dead until afterward. Um, that's, that, that's why I love Missy. Missy's one of my favorite characters on the show mm-hmm. um, because of that. And um, Christina and Samantha kind of created those little nuances of it. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have to. On, on Yellow Jackets, you don't really have to do like a take of like, hey, you know what? Let's do it your way. Mm-hmm. Because it really isn't. There's, each character has their own, you know, you know, certified thing. And I remember, you know, in the beginning, um, there was moments, and, and it's hard really for me, it's hard to to stump me on Yellow Jackets because I study it. Like, like literally, it's so funny, like people would come into my office because I would have it on um, a loop on my okay. TV. I had my TV, I had TV in my office and an Apple TV and I would literally have all the episodes on a loop okay. and they'd be playing 24-7. Whenever I walk into the office, my assistant knew to turn on Yellow Jackets and they would just stay on. So when people walk by and they would come in, like production down, oh, Jeff, can I see this episode? Yep, go ahead, do your thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure everybody knew when you came to my office, you know I know everything down to the prop That's that smart. this person had in their hand. So <clears throat> um, so when you get on there, there's only a couple times. I mean, I was one time, I think one time Melanie was able to catch me in something. Well, Jeff, <laughs> you know, this is not what am I? And I was like, oh. Melanie, you're right. Mm. You know what? You're right. And then, you know, and she and I were at least were able to go back and forth about it. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Because in episode so-and-so. And she's like, yep. And then this happened. And I was like, okay, cool. You know what? My bad. Don't do that thing I said. Do the thing you you, you were saying. Right, right, I'm going right. to go over here. Sit by the monitor. <laughs> so, you know, so you, with that show, it's very specific. But when I was doing, let's say, Our Kind of People, mm. I was able to have more of a let the actors do more mm-hmm. of a okay well this is what yeah. the showrunner wants so let's do this version right let's do two epi- two 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 takes on this mm-hmm. version and then now let's let, you know let's try something a little loose let's let's try and play with this third version let's right. do it one more take and let's you know play and then let's see if you know Karen just who was the showrunner on our kind of people let's see if Karen likes it 
And sometimes so it depends on the show, the scenario, movie. the moment, all that stuff. Very much so. Oh. Very, very much so. With Yellow Jackets, is not that much room to do that because Got it's it. very specific. Each character, you know, has their way of doing it. Now, when there are new characters that come in, mm-hmm. but even then, though, even then, the showrunners, Jonathan Nash and Bart, really know exactly what they want and how they want their characters to right. be in that show. And that's the only way to do get a show Emmy nominated, that kind of thing. You have to. It's just not by. What I've come to learn is none of that is by mistake. Mm-hmm. Literally, meaning you literally are blood, blood, sweat, and tear. You're bleeding, sweating, and crying into your mm-hmm. laptop yeah. to get a show that's you know gets to that <laughs> level. And that's what I think Jonathan, Jonathan, Ashley, and Bart are able to do. So even when we have new characters come in, and you think, oh, you know, Elijah Wood's coming in, and you know, we can have, we could just do a take with us. Mm-hmm. No, it's very specific too. What yeah. they need from his character, it's very specific, and it won't, it might not pay off until next season mm-hmm. or the season after that yeah. and which is in, in regards also like that Game of Thrones thinking mm-hmm. if you look at Game of Thrones there's things that are set up from season one yeah. that don't pay off mm-hmm. until season five mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god that thing from season one is mm-hmm. little it's, easter eggs and yes, shit it's like a whole thing mm-hmm. right. so so yeah so I think once you get to a certain once you get to a certain level it's harder to have that play play time right, right, right. but it's also like but you also learn how to keep things like what you said you, you, you learn how to keep things on course yeah, yeah and you learn to go oh okay well this is no 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 we're not no 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 you can't go left no 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 you can't go over that right it's, you have to be right here right mm-hmm. here this is where this needs to be and then the, then the actors will learn it too they're like oh okay and that's why mm-hmm. when they see the out they see the, the output they, the outcome of it all they go oh that's why you needed me here because if i would do something to take i wanted to do that totally wouldn't have fit right with what was going on does does the showtime do you guys usually know like when you guys are going to be airing like the next season when when you get another season or is it you mm-hmm. like like Amazon and some other networks are like they're a year out <laughs> you know before you know your show is coming on and shit you know Well we got we got renewed while we were shooting second season so we got renewed for the third season while we were shooting That's blessing. and which is yeah which is which was amazing mm-hmm. um and now you know you know we all know things are changing so much so you know um, a lot, a lot of our show because there's no more Showtime app. The Showtime app right. is now gone, right. which is amazing to me. So now it's all going to be on um, Paramount Plus. Paramount mm-hmm. Plus, and um, so it's it's all like I don't know what the difference is going to be. But last season when it was just you know Showtime and E1, also E1 got bought by Lionsgate, so that's going to be a difference. So it's, right. it's so a lot of it is is kind of changing, right. and you know I'm looking forward to seeing what the new changes are going to be. But last season, it was, you know, pretty standard, like the Showtime scenario, the, the E1 scenario, and my execs at both places, and then dealing with the renewal and that kind of a thing. We knew pretty early on. And then, obviously, we all know the strike happened, so that right. changed everybody's schedule. For sure. But, um, but, yeah, we knew pretty much early on with that show. And, yeah. My, my last question for you um why I just keep having these blank spells? Like I have it sitting right there, and then you finish something, and I'm like, "Cause I'm blank. a talker. <laughs> I'm a talker too. Cause I'm verbose. <laughs> I talk too much, and then you, you forget, you forget it. I'm oh, fine. here it is. Do you do you come into the picture on the show once we go into pre, or do you go oh, in the okay. writers' room and and check in to see how they're doing on the scripts? Like, do they pitch out the story to you at all? Like, you know, when it gets to that point, or do you just come in when it gets to pre? No, usually, okay, so here's what happens. So usually the producing director will come on maybe like a month uh, to six weeks before you go to um, to, to, to stage. You would okay. go to, go to, so um, 
do they send scripts by me? No, not really. I okay. mean, they don't. They don't need to because they're they, they're 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 amazing. They're amazing. Right. So I just I, I, I just guess wanna, I was. They'll tell me certain things. They'll be like, yeah. oh, you have to think about this. They'll they'll, they'll right. communicate with me certain okay. things. This is where we think we're heading. <clears throat> yada yada yada. But I mean, I'm I'm also I'm. The funny thing about it is I'm working on the show I'm as, yeah. as a producing director, a co-EP director, but I'm also a fan of the show. Right. So I like to read the scripts as I don't really want to know too much about them. Okay. So you don't want to be there to pitch out. And no, all that shit I want to read the full script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't even want to know. Sometimes, you know, we were up there, they were coming to my office and they said, what y'all for thinking about? I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> and they would, they would go, oh, you don't want to know until you read it? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. A couple of times I did have to, you know, right. lean, lean in on certain things because we had some, some certain issues happening on set where mm-hmm. the script had to change because of certain circumstances so i yeah. had to know where we were going then but like for now like we have a dinner coming up me and my showrunners have a dinner coming up and i'm sure they're gonna you know try and you know give me a like hints as to where the the show is going this season i'm not gonna want to hear those hints because because <laughs> i want to just read them in the script right but um but you know it to be honest you know we get up i get up there early enough as a producing director you get up there early enough to mm-hmm. then read like as long as i can read my thing is i want to read the first four Okay. You know, and and I so what I'll do as a PD a lot of times is <clears throat> I will break down every script as a director. Right. So therefore, as if, if I, you were directing, as if I was directing. Okay. So therefore, if I had to step in, mm-hmm. which I did mm-hmm. um, last season, if I had to step in on somebody else's episode, mm-hmm. I would. I would know what I was doing before I got there. It wasn't like okay. I was like, oh, I wasn't scrambling. Like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm gonna do now. Whatever, mm-hmm. how am I gonna do it? Ah, uh-uh. I break down every single script as if I'm directing. And then in the meetings, I'll, I'll sometimes when I'll listen to what the director actually chooses versus what I'm choosing. What I choose, so I'll, I'll go through my list as they're 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 doing their pitching out their ideas. I'm like, eh, okay, that's a check. Yeah, well, yeah, that was <laughs> yep, the same idea with me. Okay. Oh, that's, that's different. Okay, let me put that down. Mm-hmm. So um, that way, um, I'm ready. That's smart. For any for any and every mm-hmm. everything. So that's my thing. I, I like to just read the full on script and break it down. And and as far as like when I get there early. It's really to make sure the sets are looking how they're supposed to look mm-hmm. and, you know, all the little bells and whistles, like, you know, make sure everybody's continuity is back. Like, oh, well, you know, hey, that wig doesn't look like it used to last season. We might mm-hmm. need to get a new wig mm-hmm. because a lot of stuff is in storage right mm-hmm. now. So everything's kind of in storage right now. So once you go back up, everything comes out of storage right. and then you got to see what kind of shape it's in mm-hmm. once you get it out of storage. Because, I mean, they do their best. Don't get yeah, me wrong. We got moths on it. What's that with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, 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 they do their best to store the stuff, but sometimes, yeah. you know, you never can tell, you know, what's going to happen in the mm-hmm. Scenario, and then it's also then I come in kind of as you know some sort of quality control for the showrunners as well to be like, hey, and I'll report back, right. hey, you know this set doesn't look like it did last time because so and so this happened mm-hmm. or uh, something must have happened and there was you know an earthquake and right. there's a hole in this thing and they need to remake that and and all that factors into you know also what the line producer does too in terms of right. you know s- spending money mm-hmm. and how and how they're gonna you know spend it correctly and wisely you know because budgets are tight, yeah. budgets are tight. I mean, we have a good one, but budgets are tight. Mm-hmm. So then, then there's that. Awesome. Well, thank so, you, Jeff. So, um, cool, cool, cool. What can I say on the way out? On the way out, I'm just saying thank you yeah. both for being here, for waiting for me. I appreciate that. Um, I hope everybody uh, uh, watches the Emmys and sees what's. Sees, well, this will be after the Emmys, right? So it's going to come out yeah. after the Emmys. I'm going to drop it tomorrow. Oh, you're going to drop it tomorrow yeah. on the Emmy Day? Yeah. Okay. Um, watch Yellow Jackets if you folks get a chance. It's an mm-hmm. amazing show. It really is. Like, yeah. if you haven't, anyone who hasn't seen it or isn't familiar, well worth your time. We're not just saying that because Jeff is here. Yeah, if you love oh, horror, you. if you love thank you. great acting, Im- yeah. Im- imaginary characters, I mean, it just has. Smart. Blood. 
very, it's got some, it's got some blood and gore for sure. But it's got know. some situations. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But it's it's a That's very smart. good show, and I and literally I'm just you know happy and the, you know the, the whole thing. Everybody says I'm just happy to be nominated, and it's true. I'm just happy mm-hmm. we are nominated as a show. And um, and also, I'm happy that Melanie Linsky is nominated because Melanie is a force to mm-hmm. be reckoned yeah. with and is an amazing Are you human. Yeah, I will be there tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to have my tux on. And I appreciate my, you coming here. I know it's a busy weekend. Yeah, so, it's, a, yeah. it's a crazy weekend. So nice. I'm going to have my tux on tomorrow. I'm going to do my red carpet. I'm going to yeah. be with my whole my team and yeah. see what that's my first ever. This is my first Emmy. So uh-huh. I've, I've never been invited to the Emmys. Nice. So this has been a very interesting experience. Now, Paris, now Paris always says that's when you go is when you're invited. <laughs> that's interesting yeah. now I know yeah. what all the fuss is about I'm like right. wow I just think that it was like oh well you know no big deal I mm-hmm. know what I mean. now I'm like oh man I, 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 this is a, this is, this is a yeah. thing uh, we're, we're pulling for you we're yeah, pulling man. for the show no doubt. thank yeah. you thank you fellas thank you I super appreciate proud you of you me. man super proud of you keep doing big shit and keep representing over there at the AASC. Yes, DGA mm-hmm. African American Steering Committee folks. You mm-hmm. know, come on through if you're a DGA member and you're and you're black. We have there's home for you there as well. So yes, come on through it. And and we are partnered with the CBW Committee of Black Writers over yeah. here at the WGA yes, with sir. Hilliard and Bianca and Barrett. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 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 partnered. So yes, we're, gonna, we're gonna make some stuff happen. Yeah, we gang gang. Just gang gang. We gang. Exactly. <laughs> gang, gang. Thank you for having <laughs> me, guys. For real. Thank you for having me. Of course. Me. Of course. I appreciate where, it. Where can people follow you? Where you at on Instagram? Oh, on Twitter. Instagram. Instagram, it's uh, my last name, so B Y R D J E F F. So that's what I am on Instagram. On Twitter, I am my company, which is which is Feather, like a bird feather. Feather Films, and on um, Facebook, it's my same name too. So it's, it's, it's so, so the Instagram and the and the the, the <clears throat> Facebook are connected, so you can right. get me through either one of those. And awesome. yeah, that's that's it. I said, do I have a website? I don't I don't even know if I have a website anymore. <laughs> I think I probably do, but I, I never check it. I oh, know you don't have time to even do with it. Yes. So. Where you at, Tracy Grant? <clears throat> on Instagram, Tracy Grant five four three nine T R A C Y Grant five four three nine. Less so on Twitter or X, but still at the real Trey T H E R E E L T R A Y. Mainly Instagram these days, and kind of. Getting back in music mode, to be honest with y'all. Good. Like, still, we want to rep and help all our writers. Um, but don't be surprised if you see me on there live doing my thing music wise. Yes, indeed. Oh, okay. I love he, that. He, I'm he, a- he be giving love. you the old school shit. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on there. I want. I want to yeah. hear that. I want to hear love, that. no doubt. I'm, I'm a fan. That is that. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that shit threads, whatever the hell they got, everything at Hilliard Guest. I keep it really simple. Um, you can follow me, follow the show, all that stuff there. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, whatever you guys listen to. We're all over the world, every country just about, you know what I mean? Shout out to all the fans who always, you know, um, give us shouts out, give us the five-star reviews, who asks us questions, uh, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com, and I'll answer them for you there. Um, lots of new stuff coming up. Um, like I said, we're redoing the site, redoing the logo. Um, lots of new stuff to come for you guys. Um, we're going to be looking for a new sponsorship, Jeff. Um, so just, you know, just give a ten grand a month. We don't ask for much. I'm looking out, looking you know, out. That's chump change, chump mm-hmm. change. <laughs> uh, shit like that. Um, and a lot of good stuff happening this year, man. We're really excited. Um, and a shout out to um, Laura and. Um, 
uh, Abigail, who are redoing the website for us. We want to make sure we shout you guys out. We appreciate you. Um, also, Roadmap Writers for sponsoring the show. And um, yes, thank you, y'all. You who Woohoo Apparel for sponsoring the show, shit like that. Oh hell, you man! Let me ask you a question yeah, real quick. Ahead. Oh, you, you 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 guys should be sponsored. Like the but I was just telling Tracy I, before I, the show. I, I, I'm I'm literally shocked over here. I'm I am amazed that you yeah. like this is this should be like you know like, ten years in we should be. I mean, yeah, we I should mean, be doing drink champs right now. Yes, with the here. amount of like yeah. interviews you've had of like high stature yeah. folks, I there's no way I, yeah, we should talk about that. You guys should be sponsored. Yeah, y'all heard it. I heard it from Jeff, and we so. will be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bigger, this, bigger, this, and better yeah, for yeah. sure. I agree. I feel yeah. the same way. It should be sponsored. Yeah, it should, be, it should be paying the rent by now. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> no, honestly, it should be. Yeah. I, that's amazing to me. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about that. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. But we're gonna have new T-shirts, like everything. We're gonna really, we're gonna go big in 2024. So, um, joining me for, you know what the word is. Yes, sir. Um, uh, thank you again, Jeff. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you both. Always, always proud of you out there. And I'm so glad to see, you know, how much we're like really coming together. And this is really been because of you. You always like go, yo, let's do this thing. Yes. So I appreciate it. You know, it's because our guild was like, what y'all doing? <laughs> exactly. There's always going to be some unofficial bull crap. Yep. But anyway. now we're going official in 2024. <laughs> right. We're going official in 2024. Yeah. That's what sure. I'm just letting everybody sure. know. Official WGA, DGA, CBW, ASC connection. That's, that's happening. That's what's up. That's what's up. Beautiful. Um, you guys know how we're doing on the Rant Room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Tracy? Game, Game all, all day. day. Peace, y'all. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. So you wanna be a rider, well you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rant room, we let that shit up off our chest You never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rant room